AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
other people think, worry about what they say. Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is Friday, July 1st, 2016. It is about almost nine minutes after noon Pacific time. If that's when it is where you are at, we are, in fact, live. 800-932-1980 is the call-in number. 800-932-1980 is the call-in number. You can call in there, and you can uh, get on the air. You will get on the air. You can also go to the chat room, which, um, ah, you know, this weekend I'm going to mess around with the chat room, and we'll see probably, you know, Monday or Tuesday we will have the final whatever it's going to be in there. Right now, it works. I mean, there's a chat room in there that you can go in there and chat with, and you don't even have to sign up, okay? I mean, there's no name or password or anything because it was meant to be temporary, just kind of a chat fix for, uh, you know, the folks that uh, like to chat and like to have the room there, myself included, okay? You know, I... I Spend a lot of time in the chat room. So, uh, matter of fact, I just had to put my name back in there because it said that I just left, but I didn't. Anyhow, let's get to things and stuff. You know, somebody, uh, for instance, you know what? You can learn a lot of things in the chat room, folks. You know, you can learn a lot of things from listening to the radio, from looking at news articles and this and that and the everything. You know, but every nobody is all-seeing and can, you know, get you everything you need to know. Same goes for me. I do my best to scour the news all the time. I mean, I uh, I, I have to say, you know, having this show really does, uh, and, and the newspaper prior to having the network, has really bolstered my education in what's going on because you know i have to i have to be able to tell you things on a show every day for a couple hours you know so that takes a couple hours of uh, at least a couple hours of reading news because not everything is uh 
you know, everything I read, I don't bring on the air because I don't feel that it's that important or, you know, might not be interesting to you, even though it may be interesting to me. You know, sometimes I'll read a sports article or sometimes I'll read a, uh, you know, one of these uh, uh, who's doing who in Hollywood articles, right? You know, I, I don't feel that stuff is, uh, you know, important enough to bring on the air, although I, I read it anyway because, you know, it's like bubble gum, you know, okay, every once in a while, you know, yeah, sure, you got to have lunch, you got to have breakfast, you got to have dinner, you got to have all that, you might have a snack, but, you know, then every once in a while, you just chew some bubble gum, and that's that's what that crap is, but, you know, anyway, but, two heads are better than one, 20 heads are even better, and people see things that I don't see. Like this. This is an article. This is a link in the chat room, folks, that uh, I didn't even think about. But I read it, and I'm going to bring it to you because it's something to think about, folks. This is this is this is critical thinking. This is like, oh, you didn't think about that, did you? SF State is a computer campus, which means many students use public transportation or drive to campus to attend classes. Some students find themselves feeling particularly green while driving to school in their hybrid electric vehicles because it uses less fossil fuel than a standard vehicle. Now, isn't that what the government has told us that, oh boy, you know, you got to do this and you got to do that because uh, we're using too much fossil fuel, even though, you know what, it's all ridiculous theory that crude oil is made by rotting dinosaurs. It's stupid. It's just, it, it, you know, and it, as stupid as it sounds, okay, on its face, I've questioned this since I was a kid. You know, I really have because I just never got it, man. It's like, what? How many dinosaurs were there, for crying out loud? We've been using oil for 100 years, <laughs> pumping it out of the ground as fast as we can. How many dinosaurs were there? I mean, you know, I, I mean, really? And, and what? They're, they're 60,000 feet under the ground or something? Really? How'd that happen? Well, nobody could ever answer. Nobody ever wanted to talk about it. So I just said, okay, fine, fossil fuels, whatever. But, you know, now that the oil wells are actually revitalizing, filling, filling with oil again, uh, the whole fossil fuel thing just falls on its face. But that's still what they call it, folks, okay? So anyway, because it uses less fossil fuel than a standard vehicle, unfortunately, hybrid electric vehicle owners aren't asking questions regarding the true impact their cars have on the environment. Many people don't realize that hybrids can cause more harm to the planet than good. Hybrid vehicles are automobiles that use two or more distinct power sources that allow the vehicle to function. The term hybrid vehicle most commonly refers to hybrid electric vehicles that combine an internal combustion engine, which uses gas, with one or more electric motors. Now, when they say one or more, that's because some of these cars have electric motors on every wheel, which is really cool. But anyway, these vehicles are built to recharge by capturing energy and reusing it or storing it. Batteries, in other words, folks. 
By using less crude oil to power the car, the auto industry thought they were doing a great service for the environment. However, batteries are toxic and are not environmentally friendly. The Toyota Prius made its U.S. debut in July 2000. One of, out of all the hybrid cars sold, the Toyota Prius holds the top spot, according to the National Center for Policy Analysis. And the Toyota Prius is the source for some of the worst pollution in Northern America. The nickel found in the battery of a Prius is mined and smelted at a plant in Sudbury, Canada. You know, my, uh, my mother's family emigrated to North America from Finland, and the first place they went was Sudbury, Canada, by the way. Anyway, which has a profound effect on the surrounding habitat. And NASA has labeled the area as a dead zone. The area surrounding the plant isn't habitable to any living thing. According to NASA, the area is used to test moon rovers. Another environmentally detrimental result is that the toxic and pungent gas, sulfur dioxide, has spread outside the town to the whole northern part of the province. Acid rain was so bad, it destroyed all plants and the soil in the area as well. Do you see this on CNN, folks? You know, the dead zone of Sudbury, Canada, and acid rain falling and killing all the, the plants? Gee, I missed that. The production that is needed to make a hybrid battery is environment, uh, environmentally unfriendly as it gets. The nickel produced, now listen to this. This is, this is world trade, okay? This is world trade and environmentalism at its best, okay? Listen. The nickel produced by the Canadian plant is shipped to the largest nickel refinery in Europe. From there, the nickel goes to China to produce nickel foam. From there, it goes to Japan. Finally, the completed batteries are shipped to the United States. Hmm. The carbon footprint attached to the making of a hybrid battery is extremely high, as can be seen by the frequent flyer miles the hybrid battery racks up. Instead of just doing it all right there, nope, it's got to be shipped all around the world. Oh, yeah. And, hey, what happens if something goes wrong? Ship sinks, something happens. Oh, yeah, another catastrophe. According to a study called Dust to Dust by CNW Marketing Research Incorporated, the total combined energy needed to produce a Prius is greater than what it takes to make a Hummer. On average, a Prius costs $3.25 per mile driven over a lifetime of 100,000 miles, which is the expected lifespan of a hybrid. A Hummer costs $1.95 per mile over its lifetime of 300,000 miles, which means a Hummer will last three times longer than a Prius and uses almost 50% less combined energy. Wow. So, folks, you know what? When you think you're doing something good, you better look into it. 
I mean, you really better because, you know, I mean, look at that. It makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, but, hey, here's something. Let's move on. I got a lot of stuff here and you know, and only an hour to do it. Well, what's that song? Got a long way to go and a short time to get there. Yeah, that's kind of like now. Anyway, okay, listen here. This is law, folks. I hope it doesn't bore you. It shouldn't bore you because it's also combined with some current events that may be of interest to you. United States Code Title 18, Section 2071, Concealment, Removal, or Mutilation. Whoever willfully and unlawfully conceals, removes, mutilates, obliterates, or destroys, or attempts to do so, or with intent to do so, takes and carries away any record, proceeding, map, book, paper, document, or other thing, filed or deposited with any clerk or officer of any court of the United States in any public office or in any public office or with any judicial or public officer of the United States shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than three years or both. Whoever, having the custody of such record, proceeding, map, book, document, paper, or other thing, willfully and unlawfully conceals, removes, mutilates, obliterates, falsifies, or destroys the same, shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than three years or both. And, listen, shall forfeit his office and be disqualified from holding any office under the United States. As used in this subsection, the term office does not include the office held by any person as a retired officer of the armed forces of the United States. So, no, Hillary Clinton won't be legally ineligible for the presidency, even... No, Hillary Clinton wouldn't be legally ineligible for the presidency, even if she had violated government record laws. Professor Seth Barrett Tillman has an interesting and I think likely correct response to claims that if Hillary Clinton is found guilty of violating federal document concealment destruction laws, she would be statutorily ineligible for the presidency. Those claims have been most prominently made by Michael Mukasey, a former attorney general and federal judge. He's, he's corrupt as the day is long, by the way. Michael Mukasey, he's from the 2nd District. who And, you know, uh, Dean Lauren has had dealings with him, per, you know, not personally, but himself in court with this guy. Anyway, whom I uh, much respect, but who I think erred in this instant. Uh, Professor Tillman was kind enough to let me pass it along. Um... Michael B. Mulcahy, a former Attorney General of the United States, a former Chief Judge of the United States District Court for the Southern District of New York, has stated that if former Secretary of State and former Senator Hillary Clinton is convicted under 18 U.S.C. 2071, then she is disqualified from holding the presidency. Likewise, a Washington, D.C. think tank has just published a white paper taking the same position because Mulcahy's and cause of action's position is fundamentally misconceived. Indeed, neither puts forward any authority for the position 
that Section 2071 or any other federal statute creates or could create a disqualification in regard to any elected federal position, including the presidency. What? Really? See, these people are just saying, well, I don't see anything there that says that that, 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 that. really? And shall forfeit his office and be disqualified from holding any office under the United States. That's what it says, folks. Any office. Disqualified. Any office. But, you know... It doesn't put forward any authority for the position that Section 2071 or any other federal statute creates or could create a disqualification in regard to any elected federal position. Wait a minute. Elected federal position, let's see, disqualified from holding any office under the United States. Wait, what, what, what part of... That don't you get? It is widely accepted that the Supreme Court's decision in Powell versus McCormick and U.S. for uh, U.S. Term Limits Incorporated versus Thornton have come to stand for the proposition that neither Congress nor the states can add to the express textual qualifications for House and Senate seats in Article One. Importantly, the rationale Powell and U.S. Term Limits, i.e., the pre- uh, premise of the written Constitution, expect. Per- you see, isn't that funny? How oh. We don't want term limits, so the Constitution, the Constitution, the Constitution. Oh, but uh, we want to take your guns. The Constitution is outdated, and it doesn't matter, and that blah, 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 right? Wait, well, what is it? It's either outdated, and it doesn't matter, or it matters. You can't have it both ways. So if it doesn't matter, let's have some term limits, like for one day. Everybody gets to be in there one day, and then you got to leave. The Democratic presumption is that any adult member of the polity is eligible to run for office. The requirement in the U.S. Constitution that the president be at least 35 years old and senators at least 30 is unusual and reflects the felt importance of mature judgment to the effective discharge of the duties of these important offices, nor, as the cases we have just cited hold, may Congress or the states supplement these requirements. That's, you know, what the court says. You know, but the thing is, folks, you're a criminal. Okay? So we'll see. You know, I mean, it's certainly a question and it's a cloud. And if she is convicted, I mean, honestly, folks, you're a federal felon. Are you, you really? You're going to vote for that as a as a president? <laughs> What kind of country is this? You know, it's it's just time to call it a day, if that's the thing. So, uh, Loretta Lynch now is kind of, uh, oh, I don't know, saying, well, uh, gee, golly, I see uh, where you all might think something bad was going on, but really take my word for it, because I'm just such an honest lawyer that you can believe me. It was just a personal meeting because me and Bill are such good buddies. Yeah, sure. And, uh, oh, by the way, 
Oh, I promise that if the FBI says that to indict her, I'll indict her. You know, I'll just go with the recommendations of the FBI. I guess the fix is in at the FBI, huh? So on this just purely just we're good buddies and uh, we're pals and we got nothing to hide because we're not doing anything wrong meeting on the tarmac at an airport. You know what this amounts to, folks? Okay, so these are rich, important people. So where do they meet? They meet in a private jet parked on a tarmac at an airport. You know what that is, folks? That's like you meeting somebody in a parking lot in their car, okay? Oh, nothing wrong there. Hey, the police shouldn't have any kind of... Uh, now, now, let me ask you something. In your local town, if your district attorney was investigating, let's say, your ex-mayor's wife who was also, uh, let's see, the city attorney or something. And you find out that the district attorney is meeting the husband of the ex, of the ex, you know, city attorney, who is under investigation by the district attorney's office, and they have a secret meeting in a parking lot somewhere. Wouldn't you be a little suspicious? Huh? I mean, I, I, that might even be illegal. And guess what? Reporter, FBI ordered no photos, no pictures, no cell phones during Clinton Lynch meeting. Reporter Christopher Sign of ABC 15 in Phoenix, Arizona, appeared on the O'Reilly Factor Thursday night to talk about a scoop involving that secret meeting between the former President Bill Clinton and Attorney General Loretta Lynch. Yeah. The former president steps into her plane, then they speak for 30 minutes privately. The FBI there on the tarmac instructing everybody around no photos, no pictures, and no cell phones. First of all, it isn't the FBI's job to tell journalists or private citizens they can't take photographs of a former president and the attorney general. What were the agents going to do? Arrest people for taking pictures or video? Also, if there was nothing wrong with the meeting and it was totally innocent, why were federal agents instructed to demand no one take a picture? Finally, let's stop focusing on the fact that this meeting was inappropriate because Clinton's wife is under investigation by Lynch's Justice Department. I mean, that's bad, but it's actually letting Lynch and Clinton off the hook a bit by focusing on the appearance of a conflict because Hillary Clinton is being investigated. We are willfully overlooking the very real conflict in the fact that Clinton himself is under investigation as the grand poobah at the Clinton Foundation. Yeah, let's not forget that, folks. Oh, and this guy thinking, well, what what are they going to do, arrest people? Uh, maybe. Because uh, here in, oh, outside of St. Louis, yeah, get this. The city of Kinlock held a special meeting today on the heels of that. Anyway, a special meeting today on the heels of a Fox 2 investigation about uninsured and unregistered police cars. The meeting at our 
the meeting and our attempts to cover it both are both news tonight. We are following up on our investigation by attending a public meeting in which city leaders gathered to discuss the issues we raised. A Kinlock police captain allowed citizens to enter the public meeting but told me we could not bring a camera inside. I told him I've never heard of a public a closed public meeting. The captain said, you won't be coming in, sir. He motioned to other citizens behind me. You want to come in? Come on. I said, it's a public meeting. The captain answered, no recordings, no video. Kinlock is a small municipality off of I-70, bordered by Ferguson on one side and Lambert Airport on the other. In last night's Fox 2 investigation, we ran VINs, vehicle identification numbers, on police cars, finding one was registered to a rural Missouri man, Another comes back to a cab company. Kinlock City officials told me they can't afford to buy insurance for their cars or the city. Oh, I see. Well, anyway, how it ended up ha- what ended up happening? The reporter was handcuffed and shackled. Okay? Handcuffed and shackled. And given a citation, a summons for uh, disorderly conduct and failing to comply. So uh, when they ask, well, what is the FBI going to do, arrest people for taking pictures? Yeah, maybe they will. Hey, welcome to America, and that is with a K. You better get ready, folks, I'm telling you. But you don't have to get ready right this second because we're going to take a break. We'll be back in a bit.
wife. You said, hmm, come here, step into the light. He said, yeah, sure, right. Wanna tell a second mother this has been done. their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU-band free-to-air satellite system from ABR. The ABR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for one 4 
$149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
right, we're back. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is Friday, July 1st, 2016. It's about 12.45 and a half out here on the Pacific Time Coast. And uh, let's see, 800-932-1980 is the call-in number. The website is theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com, A-V-R-N, the numeral one, dot com, or A-V-R-N dot TV. They'll all get you there. There's only actually two different, you know, uh, sites, but there's four different ways to get there. Don't use old uh, bookmarks, folks. Uh, chances are they're not going to work, and they're going to cause you problems, and you're going to think, oh, well, what's wrong? Well, those those are, you know, those are gone. Those are obsolete. And if you use one and it works, don't rely on any information on there or prices because those are not, you know, unless you're using a link off our website, uh, no prices or information or any of that uh, apply, Okay. Things change, and, uh, you know, you got to keep up. You can't just save a link for five years and then go back and expect to get the same price from five years ago. It doesn't work that way. And, uh, and actually, uh, I really I give you all more credit than that, so I don't think you're stupid. I think you're dishonest if you try that, okay? You know, maybe I should be more politically correct and just figure you're stupid, right? But sorry, I don't figure you're stupid. But I do figure people are dishonest because uh, that's that that's more rampant than a stupid is. Actually, I know it's hard to believe, but it's true. Look around. Anyway, because you know what, folks, it, it it's dishonest to stay on welfare for your whole life. It's not dishonest to take some help now and again. You know, people run into hard times, and that's what this was supposed to be about, you know, government welfare. Oh, okay, well, gee, seeing as how we're wrecking the economy, uh, and it's our fault, you know, times go bad for you, uh, I guess we'll uh, we'll put a safety net in there, and when we screw things up and it messes up your life, uh, we'll give you a check and some food stamps for a little while till you can get back on your feet and figure out how to get through the mess we created. Well, uh, that's turned into a lifestyle now, okay? And that's dishonest, because what you're doing is you're taking stuff you didn't work for, thinking it's free, but somebody had to pay for it. Somebody had to work for it. Somebody had to produce something to get that for you. And it's dishonest for you to continue to take it forever and not make any attempts to do anything to make your life better or be self-reliant. Oh, I'll just live off of you. I'll just live in mommy and daddy's basement until I'm 40. And then the government, of course, comes in and helps, you know, oh, well, you know, you've got to, you've got to take care of your children until they're 26 years old now. What? 26 years old? Are you kidding me? I remember when I was a kid, man, when you were 18 years old, you were a boy. You were 18 years old, man. You you had plans about staying in the basement for, uh, you know, oh, no. Dad had no other things to say about. Oh, wait. That's right. I'm sorry. Dad's a girl now, and uh, or he isn't around at all. Sorry. Forgot. 
But back when I was a kid, man, dads were like, no, listen, son, 18, you're out of here, man. Go find something to do. You know, go get your life on, uh, you know, buddy, because, uh, you know, hey, you're 18. I'm about, hey, you know what? I'm fixing to retire here pretty soon, and you got to be out of here, and uh, me and your mom are going to relax. We've had it put up 18 years of your crap. You know, that's it. Get out. Now, <laughs> the government says 26? Oh, I think my dad would have, I think I would have been a missing person before I ever made it to 26 if, if my my dad was somehow forced to keep me around the house that long. I mean, it just doesn't seem uh, like it would have worked out very well uh, for me. <laughs> but, you know, that's where we're at today, and everybody wonders why the country is uh, in, in, in a bad shape. Well, because Americans are inherently dishonest liars. Okay? Now, again, when I say these things, I realize there are exceptions to the rule. And the rule, folks, is 51%. Once it gets to 51%, that's the rule. All right? Oh, I don't care. There's 49%. You're one of them. You're the exception. Anything over 51% is the rule. It doesn't have to be 90%. It doesn't have to be 99%. That's what I mean when I, because anytime you say everything or everybody, you're always wrong because it's never everything or everybody all the time. It never is about anything, good or bad. But the fact is, when you say that, it is the majority, the herd, in other words. And it's a fact. We've got serious moral problems in this country, and that is the destruction of this whole nation. Oh, the economy. Yes, the economy is crashing and burning, and there's no hope for it. Why? How? How did it get like this? Well, gee, I don't know. How do you end up borrowing $300 trillion that you know you can never, ever pay back? But then again, you see... Here's the trick. We are looking at this as though, well, how dishonest is that? Wow, you borrowed money and you didn't you you knew you couldn't pay it back, but you see, the one thing they know that the majority of people don't know is that they never borrowed anything. Okay? There was nothing loaned. All right? There was nothing really loaned. There's nothing really ever loaned. You go sign your your, your little credit card thing, there's nothing loaned. They're not loaning you anything. As a matter of fact, you're creating credit. You're creating assets for that bank to the tune of nine times whatever you're signing for. You get that? Most people don't get that. You know, so in reality, you're really not borrowing anything. They're not loaning you a thing. As a matter of fact, you're doing them a favor. But you see, we're, we're, we're brainwashed into thinking, oh, yeah, this is like normal. Uh, they're loaning you. It's like your neighbor loans you the lawnmower and you don't give it back. Well, that's stealing. Yeah, that is stealing. But if, you're, if your neighbor loans you a picture of his lawnmower and you don't give it back, you did not steal his lawnmower, okay? That's not stealing. And that's what's going on here. 
it's it's insanity. The the amount of deception that has been foisted upon the people is amazing. And the amount of propagandized brainwashing that's gone through the public school system and the television and movies and radio and everything else is just spectacular. It's just, um, it, it, they've really pulled off quite a deal. And what it all is, folks, is sociology. If you want to figure out what's going on and how they did it, buy a book, okay? Get a book, look it up, whatever you got to do. Look up sociology, okay? I, as, as a, I'll say a kid, I didn't think I was a kid at the time because I was 17, 18, 19 years old. Well, I was all grown up. <laughs> sure I was. Anyway, I took a lot of sociology and psychology classes, and I did so because they were easy grades, all right? It was just easy to get a, an A. It was easy. It didn't, it was no homework. I mean, it was great. And it was kind of interesting until I got to sociology class. Because I always, you know, sitting through psychology classes, I always thought, this is a bunch of BS, okay? This is a bunch of BS. What, so, what, what psychology basically is, you do a lot of experiments about, okay, let's make the rats go down this maze. Well, okay, so you put cheese at certain parts of the maze, and after a while they learn how to go, yeah, okay, good, I'm an animal trainer now. I, I need a psychology degree to be an animal trainer, really? So you're telling me we should be training people like animals? That's psychology? Oh, uh, well, this is a bunch of BS. Because you see, their ideas don't work with everybody. Because everybody's different. So what they think is, oh, this is science and this is true. No, it isn't. Not for everybody. For somebody, yeah. But not for everybody. It doesn't work like that. So if you can't make it happen every time with everybody, it isn't science. Okay? It isn't a fact anymore. But sociology, on the other hand, is psychology applied to a mass group. Oh, things work a lot different then because you see you're not you're not looking at individual responses. You're looking at how the herd moves. And if you can make the herd move a certain direction by your actions, you've done something. And that's what they've done. They have applied psychology to the masses, which is sociology. Now, you see anybody with a sociology degree out there, you watch out for them. Because they are probably working for the New World Order. Unless they are actively out there exposing their techniques. Seriously. Anyway, so Loretta Lynch says, uh, oh, hey, don't worry. Uh, you know, there was nothing going on, really. Uh, now the State Department won't release Clinton Foundation emails for 27 months. Uh, Clinton Foundation emails, really? Uh, you mean Bill? Bill is being investigated, too? Oh, so Loretta's meeting with another Clinton being investigated. <laughs> anyway, here we go again. Uh, 
Eight Senate Republicans joined with 44 Democrats on a Republican-proposed compromise that would deny people on two different federal watch lists the ability to buy weapons unless they could successfully appeal that decision. Now, you know what, folks? Uh, that sounds good and it sounds reasonable until you look at those watch lists and who's on it. They got four-year-olds on these watch lists. They have hundreds of thousands of people on their watch list. Do you really think they're watching hundreds of thousands of people? Well, they're not, okay? They're not the all-seeing, all-knowing eye, all right? They just put you on a list, and there you are. And why? Well, why? Because I think they always knew they were going to go this route. I think they, how long has Obama been working on uh, gun control? You think he hasn't figured out, okay, well, that's not working. Okay, it's not going to work for us to just say, hey, listen, we're kicking in your doors and we're going to take all your guns. Because uh, they'd all get killed for that, okay? And they know it. So they're not going to get away with that. So mm, what could be another plan? I know. Hey, let's create a watch list. Let's put everybody on it. And then we'll say, look, if you're on the watch list, you can't buy a gun. Everybody goes, oh, that makes sense. That seems reasonable. Yeah, except everybody's on the list. Here's something. All major banks and credit cards are using uh, LGBT symbolism. They're pushing the LGBT agenda. Isn't that sweet? Oh, here. Here's something else before we go. Disabled woman beaten bloodied by TSA agents after becoming confused and afraid at security checkpoint. Now, why is she disabled? Well, she was on her way to undergo treatment for a brain tumor. She set off a metal detector at a security checkpoint at the Memphis International Airport and was led away for additional screening. They wanted to do further screening, but she was reluctant. She didn't understand what they were about to do. Yeah. Gee, what they were about to do. Yeah, molest you. Yeah, I'd be reluctant too. How about you? So they beat her bloody at the airport. Nice, huh? Yeah, okay. This is the government, right? Remember that song I just played, On the Edge of a Revolution? Yeah, well, they keep this crap up. We're, we're going to be over the edge of a revolution pretty soon. They take one more step. Folks, they kill Donald Trump. They monkey away the Republican nomination from him. They throw the election for Hillary Clinton. They come up with some kind of false flag to keep that piece of garbage Obama in the office again, and it's on. That's what I think. That's my opinion. And that's where I'll leave it for the week. The show will be replayed tonight at 8 p.m. So uh, we've got a full day coming up after that. And as always, thanks for listening and have a good weekend. And remember, it's not just the 4th of July. It's Independence Day. Remind people of that. Oh, it's the 4th. It's the 4th. It's Independence Day. Remind them what that means.
food prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Melody Cedarstrom, and you're listening to Financial Survival. And I'm here with my co-host, Alfred Addisk, to bring you our opinion and commentary on today's economic and political events. And today is Tuesday, June 21st, 2016. Good afternoon, Al. Hi, Melody. Hey, Greg Hunter will be here in just a few minutes, and uh, we always enjoy having him on the program. Frank is going to let us know when he's here. We'll get right to him, so I'm going to get right to the precious metals. Well, gold did not climb back today. It did fall off the ladder today, down 2460. 2460 for gold at $1,266. Silver was down 26 cents at 1731. Platinum was down nine at 981. For some reason, palladium managed to be up two bucks at 500 and $53. USDX today was up 0.44, back up over 94, 94.06. Crude oil only took away 50 cents at 0.52 at 48.95. And the paper markets today, let's get to the paper markets. The Dow was up 24 points at 17,829. The NASDAQ was up 6 at 48.43. The S&P was up 5, 2,088. Ten-year yield uh, is moving back up 1.70%. The euro, 113, that was down 0.47. And again, euro, European markets uh, still were up uh, higher, uh, but didn't uh, have as strong a day as they did yesterday, uh, as our markets didn't. And, uh, hey, if you read all the, the, the news reports, uh, you know, Brexit, uh, they're going to stay. 
And, uh, you know, you read some polls, sometimes it's, uh, you know, 50-50, fairly close. Uh, uh, lots of big warnings coming out from various people, various uh, people of positions of power and so forth, uh, certainly saying that uh, if they leave, it's going to be, um, you know, it's going to be tough for the people of Britain. But you know what, Al, they, they, they talk all about the markets. They talk all more about the markets, how difficult the markets will be and so forth. But you know what? It isn't about the markets. It's about their country, and it's about what the people want to do and how they want to continue living their lives and what type of country they want to um, to live in. And, right. and it shows you're going to have, and it shows they have to go through some difficult times. Of course, I mean, yeah, there might be difficult times, just like us. We're going to have difficult times if we want to see a better country. There's an old saying that everybody has heard and nobody really pays attention to or believes in. Freedom isn't free. There's a price to be paid. There is a price, not a price for somebody else to pay in the sense that, well, thank thank the military because they're fighting for our freedoms. You're going to pay that price, ladies and gentlemen, or not. And what I'm seeing in, in England right now is it appears that the English people may be on the verge of voting to remain in bondage, in slavery. They have that English song, England never, never, never will be slaves unless they vote for it. And that's what they're having an opportunity to do right now. And they say, yeah, you know, well, we'd like to be free, but we don't want to be free if it's going to cost us money or time or jobs. Right? We just like to be free, but we want you know, easy. We want free handouts from the government and uh, economic stimulus and strong economy and jobs and good retirement program. We want all that, and we want freedom too, but not if the not if it gets in the way of this other stuff. And I'm looking at this. We'll see how this works out. It's going to take place two days from now. Uh, I believe it's the 23rd that they have the the vote, and I don't know what time they'll be done rigging the election results. I don't know how fast they can rig elections. Small country, England is a small country. They may be able to rig the vote fairly rapidly over there. Um, But we'll find out in a couple of days. But I'm looking at this, and this is almost painful. These English people are having an opportunity to vote for their own independence and freedom. And what they're saying, at least it looks like maybe they've decided they really don't want to be free. They don't want to be independent, and they don't mind having the European Union tell them what to do and when to do it. So, uh, well, I mean, and, and anything, they you know, they don't want to lose what they've got. So, you know, that plays well, that's, that's the problem. That, that's the you problem. It puts it between... on a higher, you know, they put that on a higher level than really their future. They're living in today's it's world instead of the future. It's sad to see this. They are being they are put in a position where they can mm-hmm. choose between maintaining their credit rating and maintaining their freedom, and it looks like they're opting to get the credit rating. I believe Greg Hunter is here. Oh, fantastic. Okay. I am here. Greg? I was listening oh, to your, your fabulous discussion on Brexit. Well, uh, it's, uh, I, I think they do better off without it. I agree it's with you. the life out of too. them. Yes. And and they are just in this big scare tactic because of this one world order. All the problems I just had Jim Sinclair on on the site. And he talked about Brexit. The damage is already done. All the problems with the EU are still there. They stay in, or if they go, it doesn't make any difference. It's the problems are there. They can't get around the problems. 
You're saying they're going to get a bad result no matter what happens. This is not going to get better. That's what Jim Sinclair says. He says the problems are all still there. You know what the biggest problem is? We have debt that we're never going to pay off. The United States has debt they're never going to pay off. The European Union has debt they're never going to pay off. Great Britain has debt they're never going to pay off. They all have debt they're never going to pay off. They're just not going to do it. They're not going to do it. Not going to happen. Which and what's the problem with not paying the debt? The what are the consequences? That they, that means they can't borrow. If they can't pay the debt, they can't borrow money. They still can't. Still, they can't borrow it for you know one point six percent. I mean, it's, it's just, not even that. The problem is that one man's debt is another man's asset. Ah, that's right. If I sign that's a right. note for a hundred thousand dollars and give it to you, you're going to treat that piece of paper as if it's a hundred thousand dollar asset. If I can't pay the debt, guess what? You just had your paper asset wiped out. Just like mortgage-backed securities. Yeah. Yes. Yes. The There's thing. the danger when the debt is canceled. So are all the correlative paper assets. Well, and this is uh, this is supposed to be the good stuff. This is. You know, the debt I'm talking about uh, that was what we occurred is the sovereign debt, which is supposed to be the <laughs> yeah, good stuff, the creme de the creme, not government. the subprime. You know? So yeah, it's, it is, uh, it is uh, I can't believe that British people, because, well, we, we can't lose money, let's stay in slavery. It's that, that's, the, uh-huh. that's the argument. It's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Then they had and they're falling for it, guys. And and the and they don't even have any real money over there. That's gold and silver. They have these paper debt instruments that can't be paid. Yeah, the whole thing is insane. It's yeah. absolutely madness. And you know how can this work out well? They got uh, a shot. If they have brains enough and sufficient courage to walk out of the Brexit. Yes. If they don't, I don't know what they're doing. Well, they're doing a, a heck of a con job. I mean, the mainstream media, USA Today said, oh, it's 70% stay, 30% go. Then you go on other uh, mainstream options, uh, non-mainstream options, and it's like, oh, it's 44%, 43%. They would have been gone if it wasn't for this British uh, member of parliament that got shot and stabbed oh. by the guy that, you know, death to traitors is what, his, what he said his name was in court. Death to traitors, no kidding. He said death. That's what he said his name was. Freedom for England and death for traitors, something like that. Something like that. But, uh, you know, I mean, you don't want to see people shot and stabbed, but the the, the leave, people have it right. They are going to lose their – the other thing is, is that uh, immigration, if they stay unlimited, unlimited, just you might as well just say we're going to be a Muslim nation. Got a Muslim mayor in, 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 in London. Yep. And that is yeah. not multi, this whole idea of multi-culture. No, 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 no. No, Islam is not multi-anything. It is you will submit. That's what their top of moms say. That's what the top of moms in Great Britain say. I've heard them say it in English. I've heard them say it. And they keep letting more of them in. Well, there's no way to... You know, the, the problem with Islam is it's totally counter to Christianity. Okay? I'm, I'm, I don't, people don't realize this. I actually had three of my friends say, oh, we believe in the same God. No, we no, do no. not. No. We believe in God, the Christians believe in God the Father and His Son Christ, right? And they and the Muslims believe in the opposite that Christ was deity, opposite Christ was born of the Virgin Mary, the opposite that Christ died on the cross for our sins, the opposite that He came back from the dead, the opposite He'll come again, judge the living and the dead. Actually, they say when He comes back, they'll say He's a liar. Uh, this is what says in the Quran. Yeah. He was a liar, and he was... Um, and he uh, and he is a, a 
you know, come over to uh, uh, Muhammad and Allah, and he's going to kill Christians and Jews and apostates that don't submit. Now, you couldn't get any more of a culture clash than that. Yeah, yeah exactly right. And, you know, this whole idea where this is, the, the other thing is that you've probably heard is this uh, self-radicalized. They're self, oh, no, no, it has nothing, nothing to do with, oh, no, 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 no. Nothing no, this is the religion. Club. This isn't radicalization of a cult. What you're, I think you're saying, or are you saying that it is the nature of the religion? This is some a bizarre offshoot. Of this is fundamentals. There is a percentage of people in Islam that believe gays should die. Yep. Period. They call it, it's in their hadith. There's been more than one person say this, and then you know the left will say, well, you know, there's Christians that have done. Look at Timothy. We get this. Stop, 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 stop. No uh, priest or a Baptist minister or a Methodist minister. Nobody sat around in a room with him and said, yeah, you should kill those people. Yeah, that's a great idea. And that's what we're. And that's what the administration wants to separate. Even and the mainstream press wants to use this as some gun thing, which is so ridiculous and so over the top. Uh, that uh, I mean, gay people—they don't care about gay people. Listen, in Christianity, it's uh, a hate the sin and love the sinner, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in radical Islam, it's hate the sin, hate the sinner, and throw them off a cliff. It actually yeah. says that in their in their hadith. You can also chop their head off. You can also have a wall crash down on them. That's what it, that's what the, this is what the people who who believe in the letter of Islam. This is what that is. Now, what percentage of those people believe in that? I don't know. Let me tell you another bizarre fact about the Muslim faith. According to scientists, they they did some calculations and studies in England, and another separate study. I think it was Norway, one of the Scandinavian countries, and they simply calculated that look. Muslims have been marrying their first cousins for several centuries, like 800 years, in order to emulate Muhammad, who married his first cousin. And the result is that they have become so inbred that they are highly prone, or more certainly more prone to mental illness than most people, more prone to a lot of different diseases than most people, and it's from this inbreeding. There's verses in the Bible where God says, And I can't point to the verse. I know it's there. I don't have it right at my fingertips. It's essentially people who have offended God. He will come after you for multiple generations, three and five generations. The Muslim people are not, this isn't simply an argument where you can get rid of them because they're Muslims. You can get rid of them because they are a health hazard. They have mental and physical disabilities built into that religion that's been building for six, eight centuries. Yeah. They're not going. It's part of the reasons why they were able to invent algebra back in the medieval in medieval times, and they haven't done anything lately. Or at least that's my opinion. They have impaired their own intelligence. Another reason why don't let them in. This is just craziness. Well, you can't even. You cannot. The biggest problem is, you, and according to all the um, security people, and this is what this is. I mean, let's get real here, okay? What this is, is this is, this is uh, radical Islam. These are people that, uh, you know, murder people. Uh, and not all Muslims do this, but unfortunately, there's no way to get, um, there's no way to get the, um, the screening done correctly. According to a top NSA, 
the CIA, uh, FBI, uh, that's, there's no way to do that. No way to do that. And if so you're divided, their face how... will never be assimilated. And the other thing is, is that there should be people like, oh, we can't have profiling. Yes, you, you're not going to profile an 80-year-old woman in a wheelchair from, uh, from Tuscany. Uh, you're going to profile uh, people of the Muslim religion that are of military age and people that believe a certain way like they believe uh, in Sharia law. I mean, 51% of Americans, according to one poll, says 51% of uh, Americans, 51% of Muslim Americans believe in Sharia law. Out, get out. That's a political That's, bet. That's yep. not a religious bet. That's a political deal. Yep. So I, you know, I don't know what to say uh, other than the fact that this is being pawned off as some sort of of uh, a gun control issue because they yeah. don't want it to be uh, Muslim extremism. They don't want it to be that. The other thing is, is that these these uh, you know you read in the paper, you read this all the time. Forces that the United States is backing uh, in Syria uh, gain ground. Uh, forces, what forces? The Kurds, okay, they're good guys. What other forces? The only thing that's left over there that we're backing is uh, is 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 uh, uh, you know uh, Al Qaeda and ISIS. There is no free Syrian army. Please stop with that. And is that they don't want to enrage our allies? They don't want to enrage the the Saudis. They don't want to enrage because they still sell oil in dollars. The last I checked. And you know, is 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 it because of the, is, what's the deal with with this? Is it because of our you know we're against the Russians? I mean, we are creeping into war with Russia, I and mean, this is getting yeah. serious over there. Um, it's it's serious. There and, was uh, uh, you know Patrick Buchanan. You know, his article today said there's uh, 50-so State Department officials uh, that all signed a memo, you know, no name of those who they are, but, uh, you know, calling for a launch and airstrikes, missile strikes on Damascus to, to get Assad. Yeah, well, they his article, they're trolling for war with Russia. They got a base in TARDIS. They spent billions mm-hmm. of dollars on that. I've been saying this in 2009, that they're, he's, they're, they're not leaving. He's not leaving. I think. And I heard a click from Greg's side. Yeah, I think that's what we heard is a click from Greg's side, which means we're just about why don't we break, break? Why don't we break and take our commercials right now, and we will recover the connection with Greg Hunter, and we'll be back in just a moment on financial survival. Please stay tuned. or relationship problems have you feeling stressed out? When life is too much to handle, use Apothecary Herbs Emotional Stress Formula. Feel calm and more in control with herbs especially combined to provide the organic nutrition your system needs to help you cope. Complete instructions for maximum benefit and a money-back guarantee. You've waited long enough. Call Apothecary Herbs now. Toll free, 866 229 3663 that's 866 
229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3w.thepowerherbs.com. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. I'm Alfred Addis here with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival, and our guest is Greg Hunter from USAWatchdog.com. Greg has some of the best interviews you'll find on video in the on the Internet, and USAWatchdog.com is where you can find him. Uh, hello, Greg. We got disconnected for a moment there. Did yeah, you have we're good. We're good. We're back. Ad from we're back. Russia and Syria? Yeah, yes. We're, we're, listen, the things are, you know, things are tough over there. Things are, um, it's very scary, especially if we, we get involved, because if we get involved with war in Russia, it's not going to be contained. Everything's going to be optional. Everything's going to be open. If their borders, our borders, it, it could get ugly in a hurry. Yeah. I hope it doesn't, but it could. We are over not, before a rush hour. Well, we are not backing down over there. Now that we have the State Department signing this letter, who are they? Who are these people? That they want to risk nuclear Armageddon over Syria. Why? Yeah. You know, I'll tell you, Russia the built a, uh, they've had a naval base there for years, and I've been forecasting since I've been on since 2009. There ain't no way they're leaving. They spent, I don't know, eight, nine, ten billion dollars on this naval base in the eastern Mediterranean. It's totally strategic. It's outside the, you know, the Black Sea, outside their major port. It uh, can handle nuclear submarines and big ships. And this is on the coast of Syria and Tardis. Then they have now they built their Air Force base. Russia's not leaving. 
And this idea that we're arming these terrorists, and that's what we're doing. I mean, when you, except for the Kurds, not the Kurds. But the the people were arming, and you know, for for the longest time, they had all this oil. They still have all this or these oil assets. Why are we allowing them to pump oil and sell it on the market? Why are we allowing? Why don't we take drones over their oil facilities and knock them out? They won't create so dry land, uh, whether it's in Libya, whether it's in Syria. Why aren't we destroying these oil assets? I, the oil went to uh, the, to uh, Turkey. Uh, that's uh, you know we've had all kinds of information that Turkey is arming the uh, Syrian um, the opposition, which is Al Qaeda and um, uh, ISIS. It really I, does make you wonder why you know, are they I allowing about the ISIS? Whole, you, you know, understanding uh, Obama you not what ISIS name. is still able to sell crude oil, and in doing so, if they were stopped, wouldn't the price of crude oil go up? Wouldn't you think that Saudi Arabia would be in favor of that? And Iran might be in favor of that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, What's the deal? I mean, yeah. if somebody's doing this for a reason, this isn't just random. These, there's this reason is behind these things, and what are those reasons? Because it's hard to imagine. How do they fit in with, with us being there in the first place? It's, it's, I don't know. It's unbelievable. What, what's Matt, going on? The you don't even know what's real news and what's fake, and it's very hard for me that. to. I know. I think the, there's been stories around the website that was staged in the Orlando area, and I don't think that's true. There's a lot of bodies, a lot of funerals, a lot. I mean, you'd have to stage all the funerals. You'd have to stage all the. You no, know, I, I don't see how they could stage all that. I don't either. But uh, so, I'll I tell mean, you something. Did he have help? I think he did. There's all kinds of witness Robert. reports saying people are holding the door shut. He's talking to other people. He had other help. He had other, you know. There's all there, there's there's something more than just this one self-radicalized, what Jay Johnson liked to say, J E H. But so is it, is there some? Is, did he have help? And the answer I think is yes. Yeah. I I don't know if there was another shooter, but I think he had help, and it may have been his wife. I mean, who knows? Who knows? Well, it's one of those things. It's all very strange. Let's move on a little bit. You've interviewed David Morgan recently. Yes. And under an article of Dire Financial Warnings and Debt Jubilee was the headline on the resulting article. And it starts out, it says, Finance and economy, or Finance and economy uh, writer David Morgan says there's been a noticeable increase in dire warnings from some of the biggest names in the investing world. We're talking about George Soros. For example, but across the board, we got a lot of. There has been a noticeable increase, just like he's describing, in dire warnings from some of the biggest names in the investing world. Why are the elites sounding the alarm on another financial meltdown? Morgan says one reason is they see it's rather imminent. You agree? I think that's part of it. I think also that uh, I had uh, Jim Sinclair on recently, and you know he's Mm -hmm. a. Expert on gold, and really, when you're an expert on gold, means you're kind of an expert on almost everything. Finance. He's run brokerages before, owned a brokerage. Uh, he's called Mr. Gold, but he says uh, this is very important that he pointed out. You know, Carl Icahn's talking about how this thing could blow up. Uh, Bill Gross talking about it going supernova. Well, that's what happens just before something blows up. It gets really bright and burns out. And um, but uh, he said he says what the elite are doing, what these people are doing, is really basically they're what they're doing is telling you what they've done. They're taking. They're telling you what their positions are. They're talking their positions, and so if they think it's going to blow 
up, you could bet they have corresponding positions that will cash in when things, quote, unquote, blow up, fall. Massive shorting, derivative, over-the-counter derivatives. Uh, you know, you don't know what, what they're using, what vehicles they're using, how they're doing it, but there's going to be a big transfer of wealth if this thing ever comes off the rails. And I, so it, we're, not talk, we're not talking about going to war because we actually have some beef with some country. We're talking about war as a means. It's, it's like blowing up the vault on the bank. Or digging, tunneling in under the bank and exploding the the base, the, uh, the vault's floor so we can steal all the gold in the vault. This isn't about a war in a conventional sense. It's about theft. It, well, it, yes, it's, it's, it's going to be legal theft. They're, gonna, they're telling everybody what their 401K is. Oh, yeah, be a long-term investor. That is not what, the, what, what money managers do. Money managers are not long-term investors. They're long-term traders. And they will trade in and out of whatever they think is hot and not and what's going up and what's going down. That's what money managers do. They don't buy something and hold it forever. I mean, Warren Buffett uh, pulled that, and up until 2008, I mean, what a disaster he, his investing platform was. He required m- uh, multiple companies inside Berkshire Hathaway that needed to be bailed out. Uh, Wells Fargo, uh, uh, American Express, uh, uh, Goldman Sachs through the AIG bailout, General Electric. Uh, I mean, he got creamed. He would have been creamed. He would have been an embarrassment on – he would have retired as an embarrassment to investing had it not been the taxpayer bailout of Berkshire Hathaway and all these uh, corporate American companies. And so that, what, what, what these big wigs are saying is that they have positioned themselves for a crash, and they don't position themselves you know, a year, 18 months in advance. They're, they're positioning themselves now for a crash that – I think is going to be sooner than later, maybe this fall, maybe this summer. I don't know. Brexit, I mean, I talked to Jim Sinclair about that, too. He says, well, no matter what it is, the, the, the damage is done. You know, whatever they stay, they go, the damage is done. The European Union is in, in big trouble. They have all this debt. They've been fighting this. You know, they, now Draghi is buying corporate bonds. Mario Draghi, Draghi the head of the uh, European Central Bank, the ECB, he's buying all these corporate, he's buying private debt. And he's doing it to hold down interest rates so they can continue to, uh, you know, issue debt at these unbelievably low rates, which I don't think they're ever going to pay back anyway. No. no, no. And who's going to be robbed? The guy who's getting low interest rate is receiving. The creditors are being robbed. Well, and you can't do that for long before finally you don't have any assets left to invest in the next factory or the next shopping center or whatever. It destroys the capital base. You know, when you have, you know, you always hear about, you know, uh, you know, take the eggs, don't kill the goose. Well, they're killing the goose. They're plucking it, man. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's no, this is not capital formation. This is the opposite of that. And this is, and this is so what are they going to do? Uh, I don't know. They're going to, uh, you know, it's so funny. Catherine Austin Fitz said, I don't get to sit here and talk and, 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 and have a back and forth with somebody. One of the things she said was very interesting. I didn't, didn't really bring up in the, in the thing. She says, well, listen, the American dollar is a great thing. They can print money and buy assets all over the world. Now think about this. Think about the Fed's balance sheet that has bought all these subprime mortgages. They still ended up with the houses. And if the currency is no good and the bonds end up being no good, they end up with real tangible assets. And uh, they, they say this, that, they, that you want to talk about how big this next crash is going to be. It's going to be roughly, if you just look at the metric of the negative, negative paying debt in Europe, this is mostly European debt. And it's 10.4 trillion, and you know the subprime was 1.5 trillion. 
And uh, if you just look at that, those two metrics, you know, $1.5 trillion worth of subprime mortgages went under, and you saw what happened. Lehman Brothers, I mean, catastrophe, bailout, TARP, uh, they printed $40 trillion. Now, uh, according to... You know, they stole or printed $40 trillion according to Catherine Austin Fitz uh, at SolariReport.com, or Solari.com. And, uh, you know, you look at, at, at this, uh, just the $10.4 trillion in negative interest rate, it's eight times bigger than the $1.5 trillion uh, that we had with subprime. And then look at all the other debt that's going to be no good. I mean, this is going to be an unbelievable reset when it happens. It's going to be, yeah, that money you thought you had? No, you don't. Uh, the stocks in that brokerage you had? Uh, yeah, no, 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 it's gone. Oh, they commingled your accounts. Oh, yeah, they hypothecated them. You didn't read your, if that's on page 14, uh, paragraph of B, uh, subsection C. They could loan out your stuff. They could loan out your stuff if they get into trouble. That's what happened to MF Global. Hypothecation, rehypothecation. Uh, J.P. Morgan said, "Sure, MF Global, we'll loan you some money. You need to put up some collateral." What do they do? Go into segregated accounts. Oh, here, here is a Gerald Salente's gold, along with other people's gold. They weren't supposed to do that. Uh, did uh, what's his name, the head of the uh, of uh, MF Global, Corazine? Did he go to jail? No. No. No, we live in a world, and this is the other thing. I, I listen to people all the time talk about your retirement. You know, look at so and so. You know, John Schmo. Oh, your retirement plan. Stop. Er, wait a minute. Hold on a minute. This entire system, according to people like William Black, who's a former RTC regulator, uh, expert in white collar crime, a PhD in uh, a law, PhD in in economics, uh, expert in white collar crime. Helen Chapman, who basically wrote a book about how J.P. Morgan, she called her book J.P. Madoff, J.P. Morgan, Madoff's $64 billion fraud couldn't have, been hap- couldn't have happened without J.P. Morgan. And you look at all these people, they say their business model is fraud. That the business model of the big yep. banks, most of the money they get is based on fraud. How do you retire investing in a fraudulent scheme? What could go wrong? Just about everything. You are kidding yourself. If you've got your people all the time, well, I got my 401k, but I don't want to pay the tax. Well, you're stupid. I'm sorry, you're stupid. You're in a fraudulent game. They have admitted to rigging LIBOR. They had the London Interbank offered rate. They admitted to rigging Forex markets. They admitted to rigging the gold and silver market. With that, you can end up buying the gold and holding it outside the system. They admitted to rigging the futures market. They admitted to rigging to the, uh, all the commodity commodity markets and the uh, and, and you know all that at uh, you know uh, in Chicago, the Chicago Board of Trade, which is what something a CME group. They've admitted to giving discounts to uh, central bank to buy uh, commodities to, to uh, basically uh, uh, suppress or raise or lower or, or basically intervene in the, in the markets. You're investing. You're going to invest for your retirement in a completely, totally fraudulent system. Good luck with that. Are you getting the picture here? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like, We've oh, been talking well, about it for some time well, on this program, and it's what's surprising <laughs> and astonishing about it is when you begin to see this, it's the sort of thing that you can see clearly, some people can, and yet it's, it's, it's surprising how many ordinary people just don't seem to get it. They're going to get it. Oh, they're going to get it all the time. At, at some point, <laughs> they're going to know what we know. It isn't funny, but it is. I, I, at some point, they're going to know what we know. I mean, listen, the stuff I'm talking about, the fraud I'm talking about, has been admitted to. Plant guilty, too. This is 
admitted fraud. Goldman Sachs, a month ago, were still paying off the fraud of the robo-signing mortgage-backed securities. You know, they committed securities fraud. They committed ratings fraud. They committed uh, mortgage fraud. They committed unbelievable amounts of fraud, forgery, perjury, fraud on the court. They called it robo-signing. They really they signed stuff really fast. What they were doing was creating a promissory note so they could go into uh, in about half the states or over half the states. You need a promissory note to know that you're the holder of the debt. And they didn't come up with the promissory. They, they lost them. Well, they lost them. I have a I have a theory on that. They didn't want to see that. Oh, you this guy wasn't making 150 grand. You shouldn't have given them this much money extra on top of their loan. Uh, they didn't. They couldn't afford this right here. There was no down payment. They actually they you gave you paid more for the house and then you rebated that for a down payment. I mean the fraud, 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 fraud. It's a system of fraud. It's also a system where no one enforces the law, at least not against the super rich. The people that are committing this fraud are getting away with it, and no one is really enforcing the law. Everybody thinking they're going to walk out of the casino with their 401k is so wrong. Mm -hmm. They're not walking out of the casino with your 401k. No way. This will be forced into the bond market. The brokerages will go under. I mean, who knows you know, what will happen? I mean, some of the brokerages commingle all your funds all the time, whether it's a 401k. Well, it's my 401k. No, 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 no. It's commingled. You are a creditor in line. Yeah, you get a statement that says, well, I've got the Apple stock, and I've got ExxonMobil, and I've got – no, 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 you don't. It says you do, but you won't really. In the court, you are just a creditor. Yep. All your stuff is commingled. It's held in street name. Actually, the people that actually own it is your brokerage. They just give you a statement saying, here's what we have that we have under our control in our brokerage. That's yours, unless we go bankrupt. Or unless we hire someone like Bernie Madoff as president. In which well, case, I mean, we might not necessarily go bankrupt. Who I had on, funds you know, disappear. Helen Chapman, who I had on, wrote this book on J.P. Madoff, and I mean, she's an attorney, and I love that everything she has is backed up with a document, a record, a, there's no, I think, or they did, or I think they did, or no, 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 here's the record. And it's unbelievable, and yet you just look at the, extrapolate that all throughout all the big banks, is just the, a, a backdrop, an underpinning of fraud, and that's how they make most of their money, just total out-and-out fraud, and then they pay a fine, and they make a few people whole, and... It's just one fraud after another. It's unbelievable. It's really unbelievable. People are just, they are in a blue pill world thinking nothing ever bad is going to happen to them, and it is happening to them. And when it happens, it's going to be, I'm telling you, Bill Holter has is, is come out with this visual, in visual, and he says, you know, it's going to start overseas. I think it'll probably start in China. They're at, I don't know, 250% debt to GDP, 230% China. Of course, they have some gold, but still... You know, that's a rough ride. That's, I mean, there are so many ways for this to go sour. I mean, they're making out like, oh, if the Britain used, leaves the U.K., if the whole thing go under, well, why is a weak system? One little island uh, with uh, 60 million people leaves the, uh, the United Kingdom of 350 million people, and the whole thing can go under? Wow, that's incredibly weak. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they're not going to leave. I mean, people think they're going to take uh, Great Britain. And uh, get you know get the paddles out and everybody get on the on the beach and start paddling away. They're gonna paddle over to you know Greenland or something. <laughs> I mean, it's just stupid. Well, you know, it's supposed to take two years to renegotiate or to negotiate their exit, even if they vote for it. 
If they vote for it this week, it doesn't mean they're out this week. They've got two years of negotiation before this thing even begins to get uh, settled. This is, this is criminal and evil, and, and hey, spoiler alert, the New World Order doesn't take shape, and they don't get it for long. They, they don't, if they get it, they don't get it for long. I think Revelation says it's an hour. But Let's it's, take a break, and we will be back. A couple of commercials, and we'll be back with Greg Hunter from USAWatchdog.com. I'm Alfred Addis, here with Melody Cedarstrom. Please stay tuned. mistake. Aspirin was discovered by mistake during World War II and suppresses your immune system and prevents blood clotting. Don't expose your body to risk when you can use a natural inflammation and pain reliever called Extra Strength Pain Relief by Apothecary Herbs. Discover the power this formula has with Salicin to enter the system in 60 seconds to work hard and relieve pain for 12 hours. Whether it's arthritis, sports injury, or flu, you can relieve aches, pain, and swelling with our Extra Strength Pain Relief Formula. Call Apothecary Herbs now, toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. I'm Alfred Addis, here with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival, talking to our guest Greg Hunter from USAWatchdog.com. That's some of the best videos on the Internet. Um, you recently interviewed Charles Nenner, right? And you describe him as renowned financial and geopolitical analyst. And he says a major top in the stock market has been made. They've hit the high. And it's downhill from here. Nenner explains, I still think the big moves should be used to sell equities. We are going slowly to a major sell-off. I still look for the Dow Jones 
5,000. That means falling from 18,000 to 5,000. I think the, the second half of 2016 is going to be a bad situation for stocks, but it's not going to be the big one. The big one will start in the third quarter of 2017, ending in 2020 to 2021. Now, what interests me about this is he's anticipating, as a lot of people do, that we're going to see some sort of a major recession and, and fall in the prices on the stock market. But he thinks this is going to drag out for another maybe four or five years. Well, it'll. he thinks it'll, it's already, we, when, him, when he's saying it's already a, a top in the market, that doesn't mean everything's groovy and copacetic and everything's going to be doing great. We can have some, we have some pretty bumpy ride between now and then and then you know this could go early i mean you already have you have him saying that then you have people like jeffrey gunlatch making big warnings and he manages a hundred billion dollars uh, here's a scary thing that everybody agrees on here's what everybody whether it's nenner in 17 or it's bill gross and his uh, you know supernova and i think it explode or carl icon or gunlatch or uh, you know any number of people uh is uh that we're going to crash now, there's nobody that I have talked to and nobody that I read that says, oh, no, 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 this is going to go on for another 15, 20 years. No, we're good. No, everything's good. No. No, that is not happening. The other thing that has happened, this is a, an important thing because I, I cover the media, and I want to bring this. Don't believe the mainstream media, folks. Don't believe the polls. Don't believe the mainstream media. I am seeing a level of lying and distortion in the mainstream media that is unparalleled. I've been in the news business since the 70s. Now, Listen, the, the, the networks always leaned a little left, but damn, they would do, they would try to their darndest to be um, uh, apolitical. They would try to be fair. When I was an investigative reporter, I always was very fair and uh, always try to make people look their best. Oh, my God, USA Today, uh, every day is a hit job against Trump. Uh, Washington Post had some horrible headline that basically said Trump said that uh, Barack Obama was one of the shooters. Basically, you know, was uh, was part, was the reason why was the was involved in the uh, Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando. I mean, totally false. The level of of false information, the level of unfairness. Here we have the Washington Post try to dig up every little thing because it's owned by you know what's his name Bezos, Amazon okay. dude, who Trump wants to do a a uh, he thinks he should get they should get broken up. They they, they think they're too big. Trump thinks. They're, you know, uh, way too big. It should be broken up. And uh, here uh, we have uh, Donald Trump, who's been in the public eye since he was 20. And uh, they got a team of 20 people trying to dig up dirt. This is according to Bob Woodward at the Washington Post. 20 people. And they, they think that's fair. They think their headline, well, we made this headline and Trump doesn't like our... Yeah, when you lie, Trump doesn't like your coverage. He revoked their press credentials, the Washington mm -hmm. Post. And, uh, I mean, and here we have, and I want to get this in, folks, please, I want to get this, I've been in the news business forever, okay? And uh, the, let me tell you some big points in history. The end of World War II never happened before, end of World War II. Uh, Pearl Harbor never happened before, okay? Walking on the moon never happened before, never happened before, okay? Um, uh, the first uh, heart transplant never happened before, never, Okay? Now imagine having the Democratic presumptive nominee under a full criminal investigation by the FBI. Uh, the allegations are, and the the uh, evidence supports, she uh, influence peddled while she had Secretary of State. She sold favors. 
for a quote-unquote donation to the Clinton Foundation. The Clinton Foundation has been called one of the biggest charity frauds in the history of charity fraud. She used a private server to facilitate the business, didn't care about national security, and, uh, and uh, impair the national security of America. First ever story. That's like saying, you know those guys walking on the moon? They're going to walk on the moon next week. Should we cover that? Nah. We're like, no. It's the first ever. Yeah, no, it's okay. No big deal. Same thing with Hillary Clinton. First ever. They should have at least 10 of the 20 people they have trying to dig up dirt on Trump on Hillary Clinton. But, oh, no, 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 no. And they think they're fair. And this is what I, what I tell you. I used to work at that, in their houses, and I would point out, well, that's really unfair. Oh, no. Well, that's really biased. Oh, we're not biased because they know as soon as they say, yeah, we're biased. We hate their ass. We're Democrats. We're the ultra-left-wing liberal. They're not a news organization. Yeah. They want to masquerade as a news organization. The Washington Post wants to masquerade as a news organization when indeed it is not. And either is CNN, and either is ABC, and either when they ignore this story. This is a first ever story in the history of the United States of America and the politics. There's never been a presumptive nominee under a full criminal federal investigation, actually multiple, that, that uh, goes from bribery to influence peddling to, and I think treason. And they're not covering it. What do you think the chances are that Hillary will actually face an indictment or be compelled to explain herself on this, or is it going to be all blown away? If that, listen, if that's the case, the FBI ought to close their doors and, I agree. and forget what they're doing, because if that's the case, and the case I think is overwhelming, you got the guy out, the Schweitzer, he came out with a Clinton Cash book, which it was so outrageous what he was saying, and they guess what? He didn't get sued. Why didn't Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton sue him for all the outrageous things he was saying about influence peddling? Why did they sue him? Because <laughs> the truth is an absolute defense. Well, that is coming out with a movie about the same thing. Why didn't they? Then they have the CIA, uh, CIA Secret Service agent, who's going to you know put some dirt. But that to me is dirt, and they're tawdry and they're nasty people, whatever. But this Clinton, the the allegations and the and evidence. I mean, we lost a significant portion of our uh, uranium production in America. To Russia? That's okay? And the disasters that she had, and, I, and the Democrats, the Republicans got it covered with the Benghazi hearings. I thought they would come out and say, because Rand Paul brought this up on the floor of the Senate, she's running guns to uh, Turkey. Well, what do we have? What do we find out? Lo and behold, you know, this pickup truck with Mark's A1 plumbing with this phone number that the dealer was supposed to take off. Took the, the, the dealer took it to the sale. They just didn't, you know, they did the right, they did okay. They didn't do anything wrong, but they, they left the phone number identifying Mark. It ends up going to Turkey from Houston, the port of Houston. And then it ends up with the nicest machine gun mounted on the back of it with the phone number still on there for Mark's A1 plumbing. These poor schlubs in, in Houston were like, bought a new truck. And, uh, well, you know, ours had 250,000 miles on it. Well, when you're going to mount a machine gun on a truck, you don't care what the mileage is. Does it run? Good. Put this machine gun on there. Yep. And here it ends up in Syria with a uh, ISIS machine gun mounted on it with the phone number. Did Fox cover that? No. Oh, yeah, why not? Why didn't they cover that? NATO partner sending... Buying oil from ISIS, sending in, in materials, is there's an absolute dead solid hit that they're sending supplies to ISIS. Dead solid hit. And the whole thing takes it back to Hillary Clinton. 
back and then the, the press oh well forces that, that the United States is backing didn't we spend 500 million dollars we changed and we trained like five or six fighters didn't we spend yeah. that didn't Congress spend that kind of money yes it's they a good did. job to be a teacher it's I'd unbelievable like to one of the instructors but Hillary Clinton let me tell you make no mistake do not believe the mainstream press they lie by omission as much as they make lies. This whole Bloomberg poll that said, oh, Hillary Clinton was up by 11 points. Don't believe it. I don't believe it. I, yeah, don't, I don't believe it. Believe I, it. I guarantee. Guess I who wonder if I'm losing my mind. the gay people are going to vote for? Guess, guess who? Guess who? Not Hillary. Uh, I guess that's not a really big segment of the population, but you'd think it was, you'd think it was 10% of the population, it's like 2.5% or something, the LGBT community. And, and let me tell you something, they should arm themselves. I saw a report that something, there were, there were thousands of uh, gay flags posted in, in I guess, in Florida that... <laughs> Not, not there are pictures of flags that were on posters to hang on the walls or whatever that are are advising gays to arm themselves. Yeah. They yeah. even the gays are saying we need to get some guns. Yes, and that's interesting Democrats because some of those are going to say people. we got to vote for this guy Trump. They're going to vote. They're going to bring in another twenty thousand of these uh, uh, these Muslims that they, they're not bringing any Christians. You know, there's Christians over there. They're not yeah, bringing any that. of them in. Yeah. 20,000 of these uh, Muslims that they cannot screen properly. That's the problem. Then you have, and, and boy, and any time there's, you know, that, that in the Fort Hood shooting, oh, that's a workplace violence. Oh, the recruiting office, oh, that's a lone wolf. Uh, oh, uh, the, you know, these, uh, you know, Pulse nightclub, oh, that's a lone, that's a self-radicalized. Uh, you know, the people in San Bernardino, oh, no, 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 that, that, yeah, that, she, that, she radicalized him. Oh, no, it wasn't Islam. But this Clinton found back to Clinton. Let me tell you, the Clinton Foundation supposedly was breached by Russian Russian hackers. I mean, the the, the, the just the amount. This is on Bloomberg. Okay, this is a, this is real facts. You know, you had this Guccifer hacker in Romania that was extradited over here that pled guilty to hacking her server is going to help the FBI. You had the guy that set up the server uh, get a uh, immunity agreement from the Justice Department, uh, you know, the United Justice Department of the United States of America. Uh, you have all this information about, do they have teams of people exposing this fraud, this crime, this, I think, act of treason, the selling of American, uh, you know, selling influence at the State Department using a private server to uh, to cover it up and to um, and to facilitate it is there are there teams of people doing that no no you don't have a mainstream media there's no media it's spin there's no news organizations none no not even you Fox. don't believe we can point to a single mainstream outlet and say look and you can count on these people for truth facts no spin Fox because, uh, but they're, they are corrupted. Fox probably more than anyone else because they are the opposition. Uh, but they leave out, you know, Fox would not cover that story. That, that's a great story, isn't it? This is a story on Zero Hedge and pictures. They had pictures of it. They had pictures of the thing mounted. There was a bona fide story. It, it yep. had a tracking of it going from the, you know, from the guy, Mark A1 Plumbing or Mark 1 Plumbing, to the port of Houston, over to uh, Turkey, into, the, into uh, Syria. And then, lo and behold, there's the phone number of Mark 1 Plumbing. And he's got 100 phone calls from all over the world, people bitching at him. He's like, they just said it was going to take that. It was going to take that off. Right? 
I guess there's a no, lesson there. No, not there. one. If you don't the, want well, your phone number on the truck you're selling. Maybe better, better take it off yourself. Well, they said they were going to do it. Was that? It wasn't Mark One Plumbing's fault. Now it wasn't their fault. It wasn't the dealer's fault either. But I'm telling you, how did that thing get a visa? How did that thing get a, a trade? Uh, you know, documents to go to Turkey, and how did it end up in in uh, in, in Syria with a 30 caliber machine gun mounted on the back of it? I mean, how did that happen? And so what we have, folks, you don't have anybody telling the truth uh, in, in general. You know, the, the Iran deal. There are no signatures. I predicted there'd be no deal. There are no signatures. There is no deal. You, didn't, you don't give somebody $100 billion, it's, There's two different figures in there, $100 billion, $150 billion. You don't give somebody 100 to $150 billion for a deal where there's no signatures. That's not a deal. Would you sell your house and just have them wink, wink, nod, nod? I'm gonna, you're gonna pay me three hundred thousand for my house, or two hundred, or one hundred and fifty, or whatever it is, and no signatures and no documents. Would you do that? Would that be a deal? That's not a no, deal. We're, we're certainly not gonna do that. But what it makes you wonder is what was the deal? Because Who knows? Nobody hands out one hundred fifty no billion dollars to look at. Who just knows? For fun. There's a deal there someplace, but it's in secret, and it's not open and apparent to the world, but somebody, somebody's taken that money. We have some somebody's sort of a wink-wink-nod agreement, but there is no deal. It should have been a treaty. It should have been voted on up and down in the Senate. It is not a treaty. It is not a deal. There is no deal. There is no real deal, and nobody is adhering to either side of this quote-unquote deal. There is no deal. So well, whatever you hear, oh, the Iran deal, what deal? Where are the signatures? Can I see the documents? Where are they posted? Oh, yeah, we don't have any signatures. There's no documents. Sorry. You just take our word for it. There's a deal. There's no deal. That's the lie that the mainstream press propels. If I know this, don't you think the Washington Post should know this? Don't you think the well, New York right. Times should know Don't you think people should ask, ask them questions? No! These are not news organizations, ladies and gentlemen. They're spin organizations. They want Who you do to they believe. work for? Who do they? Who are they? On whose behalf do they spin? Corporate America. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, I I think the beast is the system of of corporations in the world. That's the beast. Yeah. The beast isn't an individual. It's it's the, you know like uh, North Carolina. They, they you know, what they want with the bathrooms. You know what the left won't tell. Got to lie to you. What they want. To, what they won't tell you is that we want showers and bathrooms and schools from. From, you know, adolescence to your 80 or 100, we want everything to be unisex. I can just walk into any girl's bathroom, any man's bathroom, any shower. I can walk in with, you know, whatever I got working, and I can uh, – we want unisexed everything. They don't want to tell you that. That's what Yale just did, unisexed everything, showers, bathrooms, everything. How would you like to be a, no, a woman? if it were unisex only for adults, it would be something you could perhaps deal with. But we're going to have little you know, girls that are right? five and what six years old right? yeah. who are sexualized. By going into these multi-gender bathrooms, they're going to become sexual beings at a very early age. Greg, we're out of time. I want to thank you for being on the program. As always, we always look forward to talking to you. I want to thank all you folks for listening. Uh, Melody and I will be back tomorrow. In the meantime, the good Lord bless you, me, Melody, Frank, the producer, and Greg Hunter from USAWatchdog.com. Bye-bye. I work all night, I work all day to pay the bills I have to pay. Ain't it sad? Still, there never seems to be a single penny left for me. 
Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. your cell phone for business or staying in touch with family, your cell phone use is increasing. Use the Wave Shield, developed for ultimate cellular protection. The Wave Shield blocks, reduces, and deflects up to 97% of the radiation from entering the soft tissue of your ear. The Wave Shield, made of a patented mesh material, is proven and tested to block radiation without affecting reception. Order your Wave Shield today for only $19.95. Did he just say $19.95? Hey, times are tough, so American Voice Radio Network is cutting the price to $17.95. That's right, $17.95 plus mailing. You can protect yourself, family, and friends from cell phone danger to your inner ear. $17.95 at TheAmericanVoice.com. That's the superstore at TheAmericanVoice.com. $17.95 plus mailing. Order now. Can your family survive a food shortage lasting two weeks, six months, or maybe longer? Sound far-fetched? We live in precarious times. There is an ever-increasing possibility of food shortages caused by terrorist attacks, natural disasters, truck strikes, or monetary collapse. You owe it to yourself and family to prepare, and you can by getting a supply of our long-storing, freeze-dried, and dehydrated foods. Our foods are time-tested to store for decades, require a minimum of time and energy to prepare while maintaining superior nutritional value, freshness, and taste. Our foods were designed for the space program and are in constant use today by our own nuclear submarine service. Contact the Freeze Dry Guy today at freezedryguy at lancet.com. That's freezedryguy at l-a-n-s-e-t.com or call 530-265-8333. 530-265-8333. And let them know you heard it on American Voice Radio. What makes deep sea salt from France so different? Up from the ocean depths in the south of France flow undersea rivers of pristine sea water. At high tide, the prepared salt ponds are filled with this water. Over spring and summer, processed only by ocean breezes and sunshine, the brine thickens and salt crystals float to the top. These are harvested with nets and deposited on wooden drainage flats to dry. The salt is then gathered up, packaged, and shipped around the world. This salt is much more than a box of lifeless sodium chloride. 
Treasures worth their salt were once paid with this valuable commodity. It contains 78 to 84 balancing elements. This is living salt, and once you have tasted it, you will never go back to anything else. I've seen this salt in gourmet shops for $30 a pound. Get it now at 4spectrum.us for under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVRSALT at checkout and save $20. Ships free to your door or call 800-581-8906. Order today. Fighting soldiers from the sky. Fearless men who jump and die. Men who mean just what they say. The brave men of the Green Beret. Silver wings upon their chest. These are men. America's best 100 men There we are Our favorite song Ballad of the Green Beret I know you probably get tired of it every day But boy when I go back And think About uh, being a young soldier In special forces And uh, having the Opportunities of all the Dairy dudes um, We'd think up more Ways to try and be macho, you know, parachuting, parachuting at night, free-falling from 10,000, 25,000 feet like bird manure at night with uh, strobes. We had little strobes we had to wear, and they'd wink on and off. And I never saw one from the ground, but uh, my wife used to say, oh, boy, she'd go out to pick me up at the drop zone and said, We could barely hear the C-130. And then all of a sudden, it was like somebody that you couldn't see, like the Sandman, pouring a bucket of stars out in the sky. There were all these twinkling stars that seemed to come out of something invisible. And then they would just start falling and sort of spreading out and uh, twinkling on and off. She said, it was amazing. Wow. Then we'd put on scuba gear uh, with our twin 72 steel tanks. And uh, we'd go out and we'd jump out of airplanes with scuba gear. You couldn't really jump out of an airplane. All you did is fell out of an airplane. And what was exciting is is that in falling out of the airplane, the, the prop wash, the wind would just spin you down the side of the aircraft until you were clear, which left you all wound up. So then the idea was to see if you could unwind your suspension lines and take out the safety fork. Uh, to be able to release your harness and then get one of the harnesses loose from where the risers attached to the harness and uh, to do all into you got had to then to uh, spin your mask around we used to jump with our mask turned around backwards oh man and uh, hit the water and now, there you go, 
trying to keep out of uh, the suspension lines, trying to get out of your air uh, parachute harness all at night. Oh, my goodness. They paid you money to do that. And so that's why that song brings back so many memories. And I'll never forget Charlie Beckwith. He was a Delta commander. And uh, we were out and had spotted a huge cache along the Ho Chi Minh Trail of communist weapons that uh, were in 55-gallon drums, and they were being hidden there. And we just happened to come down there as we infiltrated uh, by parachute. We just dropped in on them. Well, there were North Vietnamese all around, and so uh, we hid in a big uh, bamboo growth. And there was uh, myself and a master sergeant and uh, three Cambodians. And so we couldn't make a move all night. As a matter of fact, uh, I sent using my HT-1 radio... It was a special forces radio. It was supposed to have been on our own frequency, but I think the enemy had probably captured enough of them, or Red China had bought enough of them, to where they were able to monitor us. Anyway, I uh, I sent Morris code just using the push to talk, where it would cut out uh, the rushing sound. And I'll tell you, it just shows you how really good uh, special forces and rangers are. Because we had a mountain out there that uh, was so high, it was called Nui, which means mountain, Ba, which means uh, black, and, uh, oh, I'm sorry, Nui Ba, Ba meant uh, like a, a, a mother or a virgin, actually. It could be dual meaning. And then Din meant black, Nui Ba Din the Black Virgin Mountain. And it could receive, uh, because there was nothing else around, it just stuck up all by itself. And so we had a radio relay. Now, the enemy controlled the base of the mountain, but the special forces, we were right up on the tip top. And so it wasn't easy to make, now if they'd have had an aircraft, they'd just come over and bombed us, that'd have been that, but uh, using ground forces, it was pretty easy, you know, to defend a, basically a vertical peak. Uh, but we couldn't go down and, and force them off the base of the mountain either. Uh, so it was sort of a um, friendly adversarial relationship. Uh, as long as all the guys did up there was relay radio transmissions. Well, Delta... Uh, we were all top secret. Uh, it was a Greek organization. We had Sigma, Omega, and Delta. Now, Sigma was an organization much like Delta. Uh, Omega, they were primarily uh, line tapping and uh, breaking into enemy uh, transmissions and monitoring and uh, finding enemy sites of communications. And so these 
uh, three Greek organizations, as they were called. Uh, they were all uh, part of SONG, uh, which was the acronym for Studies and Observation Group, which was uh, a cover for Special Operations Group. <laughs> when finally the president uh, awarded a presidential citation, it was to SOG, the Special Operations Group, instead of studies and observation. They had you had always, you know, the military is rich with acronyms and abbreviations. But that sergeant, one of the radio relay, now you think all those guys would do, it's a good thing they didn't have Game Boys and stuff like that, and video poker. But those guys sitting up there monitoring that radio 24-7. Here we got a Delta team that is inserted, and they would be listening for a transmission. They would be listening for Morris code sent by a code machine, by uh, you know, a, even a, a Morris code uh, clicker. But to just listen and suddenly hear the squelch break, that guy finally came on, because I had a little earpiece, and he said, I think someone is trying to send code. Try to get a rhythm. Well, that's the problem with the 5-1 Bravos, let's see, 0 one let's see, yeah, that was a radio uh, military specialty. Was and these guys all when they walked, you could tell a radio man. Now to be qualified in special forces uh, as a O five B was you had to be able to send and receive eighteen words a minute. Now that that uh, word is counted as five letter group code group. And so it didn't spell anything. It was all in code. But you had to be able to send 18 and receive 18 of those five-letter groups in a minute. And a lot of these guys had what they call bugs. And they were electronic. So if you pushed it to one side, it would just go, and that was the, the dit. And if you push it to the other side, it would go, da 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 That was the da. The, the, so dit-da was A. Well, if you weren't a radio man, you didn't have uh, this uh, rhythm. In other words, you could walk and look like a normal person, or you could march to the beat of the drum. You try to get a bunch of uh, uh, 05 Bravos to uh, march to the drum or keep time, and they all, they, uh, you know, all kind of had a jangle when they walked. That's because they had this rhythm. And they could actually, they knew each other. All the special forces uh, radio operators knew one another because of the particular, it's like an accent, only it's in how you have your jangle and how you send your code. Well, not being a radio operator, there have been times on secret missions when my radio operators have been killed or were not available, or like this. There was myself and this master sergeant and three Cambodians. And the master sergeant wasn't an 05B. He wasn't a radio man either. 
And so here I am, the commander, trying to send uh, a message to Nubaden to tell them that we had landed right in the middle of a uh, rather large enemy organization, and uh, we could see that this was a supply point. And so what I was recommending is that a company of airborne rangers come in the next day and we would raid this supply point, capture all these uh, uh, munitions before they could get into the hands of the uh, guerrillas in South Vietnam. And uh, so uh, finally the guy at Nui Baden said, get a little rhythm, get some rhythm. And then he, the bottom line is he got my message. And so he sent that message on to Charlie Beckwith at Delta headquarters, where we were staging out of, which was usually some trash pit uh, at some uh, U.S. Army advisor uh, organization. And this thing, I think it was like Benoit, because our team was a long way uh, from any city. The point is, is that the next day, uh, I get a message just before dawn. See, we had to, we knew we had to move. Well, before we moved, the enemy moved. They had a road. That was a Ho Chi Minh Trail. So they moved all the time along there. Sometimes they had roads big enough, uh, depending on the section, where they had trucks, for crying out loud. We blew up bridges along the Ho Chi Minh Trail. They had them repaired uh, within the next few hours. And a lot of times they were camouflaged, and so the reason that we had to use ground units to blow up uh, the trail and the bridges is because the Air Force uh, couldn't see them. And so uh, special forces and special ops, we would get in the, on the trail and we could call in airstrikes and direct the airstrikes and we had a thing called Sky Spot, which was radar bombing. You give them a 10-digit coordinate. And by golly, uh, they uh, would blow it up. Pretty, uh, pretty unique. Uh, but that, that became actually later on in the early days. And so this was early days. We didn't have Sky Spot at that time. So Charlie Beckwith calls back and says... He wants a prisoner. Well, there's a lot that a Delta team can do uh, with three Chinese and two Americans. We can go into denied areas. Now, if you had a, uh, an intelligence team of Vietnamese, you see, the problem that we had with them is the little buggers would not go into the denied areas. They would infiltrate into a safe area, and then they would just couple up there, and they'd report uh, for days like they were moving and all the things they were seeing. It was like a fantasy a Disneyland. Well, we found out that uh, that's what they were doing. Now, when the Americans in 1965 came to Vietnam, the Marines, 82nd Airborne, the 101st Airborne Division. When they came to Vietnam, Charlie Beckwith 
uh, told me I was the intelligence officer and the reconnaissance chief. He said, Bo, I don't want no more Vietnamese. We are not going to go out there as advisors. And uh, see, they were the commanded in those days, the Delta patrols. And so what could an American do other than just send back to our base and say, we aren't moving. We're hiding in a great big huckleberry bush, and uh, we're not moving. And then the Vietnamese would lie uh, to Major Tot, who lied to the general. And uh, we didn't care, because that was the Vietnamese War. But when the Americans got there, uh, we had a special forces colonel, and he was a, a really neat old guy. And he told me personally, he said, with our Americans, he said, I want an officer on the ground. He's talking to me. There was only one officer in Delta Recon. He said, I want an officer on the ground, bowl, And he said, I want uh, people that we can trust. We're going to run the operations because the American commanders are going to get the truth. And so uh, that was good. I trained a bunch of uh, what they call Chinese gnomes. Uh, the Chinese gnomes were all professional mercenaries. And so we just didn't go. Now, we still had a Vietnamese, uh, look long, long bit is called, which means uh, special forces in Vietnamese, uh, bit dong quan, which means rangers. We had a special forces ranger airborne battalion, the only one in the country. And we could call them in uh, for special strikes. Well, while it was an American unit out there, we were going to plan on using uh, the Airborne Rangers uh, to exploit this find. And you see, when it wasn't Vietnamese on the ground, Major Tot and, uh, and the general for special forces in the Vietnamese, they didn't care much about, uh, you know, committing uh, their uh, special troops like the only Airborne Ranger Battalion they had. But Beckwith said, bring me a prisoner. Now, uh, when you uh, have got uh, five guys, what it usually means is that we had a little circle. And then when we moved, I had uh, one Chinese out in front, and then there was myself with my compass and a map. And then there was the master sergeant, and then we had a couple of Chinese uh, as tail gunners watching who was uh, watching us. So what do you do about getting a prisoner? Well, first of all, you got to find something that you can get a hold of. In other words, uh, there was always, I mean, along the Ho Chi Minh Trail, my Lord, that is like uh, Tropicana Boulevard, Las Vegas Boulevard in Las Vegas on a Saturday. I mean, it is lined up. But you can't run up there and grab somebody and throw them on the ground. You got 10,000 people ready to jump on you. Bottom line is, uh, we got the prisoner. I got shot in the back of the head with a collision call. That's an AK-47. And 
we got the Airborne Ranger Battalion. Now, the whole problem is, is that when you get a bunch of Vietnamese, like the Airborne Rangers, as supposed to be the most elite unit they have, but when they are in these denied zones, they know it. They know there's not 10,000 guys that are ready to reinforce them. They know they're on their own. They're going to have to fight people, and the odds could be 1,000 to 1. But see, being the Airborne Ranger Battalion, they're supposed to say, hey, we're tough as long as we get back to back. Well, it was like having a mob of wild horses that you have suddenly dropped into uh, a range. And now you're hoping that they're all going to corral and get around you and we're going to uh, take all these weapons we've found and we're going to exploit and ambush this big trail and huh, get out of town. I tell you, the, it, it, it was something. Because here you got a Delta recon team that is suddenly in command of an Airborne Ranger Battalion just trying to get them from running and and shooting themselves and trying to, so I could talk to Airborne Relay then, it was daytime, and get a place where we could exfiltrate these characters, along with the prisoner that had uh, cost me a slug in the back of my head. It all came out okay. And I was in the hospital, rested. And the reason I love that uh, Ballad of the Green Beret that I play at the start of Freedom Call is because just as the sun's going down, I'm thinking to myself, wow, you know, last night we were infiltrating uh, into War Zone C and way up there in the north, and, uh, oh, man, we were in, in the bamboo and, you know, in the middle of those turkeys, they were all around us with fires and dogs, and I was sending Morse code over uh, my radio by breaking squelch, and I mean, just the whole day, I just thought, oh, how, and about that time, here come Charlie Beckwith. Now, we called him Charging Charlie, because uh, I don't know if he was an Alabama uh, uh, football player or not. But, uh, Jiminy, Christmas, he was a big guy, and uh, you didn't get in Charlie Beckwith's way uh, unless you were going the same speed he was. Otherwise, he'd just run right up over your back. He was always trying to start a fight somewhere, and we wore unit tiger suits that didn't have any rank on them. So he was a major. And, well, the, the sergeants and the MPs, uh, and the clerks and jerks, they didn't know he was a commander of a special operations unit, Project Delta. And so uh, we had a very good friend of mine that was XO, thank God, uh, Bo Baker, A.J. Baker. He was one of my best friends. And I was the intelligence officer. And so we used to, you know, kind of go as a threesome, so keep Charlie out of trouble. Baker wasn't there. He had pulled me out, brought me back to the hospital. But it was Beckwith that came in 
looked at me, still hadn't shaved, still smelled uh, like about three days of being uh, at Benoit without taking a shower. And he looked at me and said, are you okay? And I said, yes, sir. That's all you ever said to Beckwith was, yes, sir. He said, your uniform here, they had a foot locker and a, a, a metal uh, locker there. And I said, well, I guess so, sir. He yanked open the door, and there was my ratty, ugly, stinking tiger suit. And uh, he said, get in this uniform. Get them boots on. We got a, a chopper. He said, we're, we're burning ab gas right now. We got a chopper waiting outside the hospital. We got a mission up north. You okay? And I said, well, and here he is yanking the fluids out of my arms, and here comes a old hide of an Army nurse. I didn't stand a chance against, uh, you'd have thought it was Auburn uh, against uh, Texas A&M. Boy, old Charlie just straight-armed her. Down she went. He said, get your, get your clothes on. So there I am. There we are going out to exit, crawling on a C&C ship. There we go, headed north. Damned if my helicopter didn't get shot down going in on a new target. Poor Charlie had got up with the headquarters. So I have feelings when I hear uh, men who mean just what they say. I got the news for you, and so I'll make sure that you get it uh, in plenty of time. As soon as we come back, now it's time you can relax, take your helmet, your flak vest off, and I'll be back, right back with you. survive a food shortage lasting two weeks, six months, or maybe longer? Sound far-fetched? We live in precarious times. There is an ever-increasing possibility of food shortages caused by terrorist attacks, natural disasters, truck strikes, or monetary collapse. You owe it to yourself and family to prepare, and you can by getting a supply of our long-storing, freeze-dried, and dehydrated foods. Our foods are time-tested to store for decades, require a minimum of time and energy to prepare, while maintaining superior nutritional value, freshness, and taste. Our foods were designed for the space program and are in constant use today by our own nuclear submarine service. Contact the Freeze Dry Guy today at freezedryguy at lancet.com. That's freezedryguy at l-a-n-s-e-t.com or call 530-265-8333. 530-265-8333. And let them know you heard it on American Voice Radio. your 
cell phone for business or staying in touch with family, your cell phone use is increasing. Use the Wave Shield, developed for ultimate cellular protection. The Wave Shield blocks, reduces, and deflects up to 97% of the radiation from entering the soft tissue of your ear. The Wave Shield, made of a patented mesh material, is proven and tested to block radiation without affecting reception. Order your Wave Shield today for only $19.95. Did he just say $19.95? Hey, times are tough, so American Voice Radio Network is cutting the price to $17.95. That's right, $17.95 plus mailing. You can protect yourself, family, and friends from cell phone danger to your inner ear. $17.95 at TheAmericanVoice.com. That's the superstore at TheAmericanVoice.com. $17.95 plus mailing. Order now. makes deep sea salt from France so different. Up from the ocean depths in the south of France flow undersea rivers of pristine sea water. At high tide, the prepared salt ponds are filled with this water. Over spring and summer, processed only by ocean breezes and sunshine, the brine thickens and salt crystals float to the top. These are harvested with nets and deposited on wooden drainage flats to dry. The salt is then gathered up, packaged, and shipped around the world. This salt is much more than a box of lifeless sodium chloride. Soldiers worth their salt were once paid with this valuable commodity. It contains 78 to 84 balancing elements. This is living salt, and once you have tasted it, you will never go back to anything else. I've seen this salt in gourmet shops for $30 a pound. Get it now at 4spectrum.us for under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVRSALT at checkout and save $20. Ships free to your door or call 800-581-8906. Order today. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. with you and I apologize as a uh, international uh, talk show host on American Voice where we, you know, when I talk about China, I get Chinese. I get people that, uh, and I, I talk about a special place in China. See, I don't want to get any more ads for used radio equipment from uh, Shenzhen, China. I talked about Shenzhen one day where they were offering uh, baby uh, fetuses uh, in, in the chicken noodle soup. Believe me, friends, 
that ain't noodles that you're eating, not noodles the way that we know. And uh, when you eat over there in China, uh, try to do it at night. And uh, don't, uh, don't inspect the food too close. Better just go ahead and eat. Now, I'm talking about seeing Beijing at some five-star, which they probably have, uh, you know, being communists and having, having stars on their flag and all that. They can be a many-starred hotel as they want to be. I'm talking about going out there and eating, you know, where the people eat in these smaller towns. you got to, if you want to live uh, like a Chinese, uh, you are what you eat. So be careful. Anyway, I, I do uh, talk about my special forces because uh, she is my mistress. I dedicated my first book, A Call to Serve, to my mistress, SF. And uh, I've had ladies jump all over me saying, how could you be married and dedicate your book to your mistress? And I said, well, it's the SF. And I've told my, uh, my special forces, you had better love her all that you can, while you can, because this mistress SF is tickled. And someday she'll be loving somebody else, and you'll be on the outside looking in. Now, that's why it was good to have me as a commander. Because I'd grown up in SF, starting out as young private, and so I never refused any kind of school. We, you have guys that want to go to school, learn how to drive diesel trucks. That's okay. You want to go to school for this or that? I always said yes, because in special forces, you never know when you're going to need that expert. In an A-team, somebody out of those 12 men, has got to be able to do everything when you put them all together. That's why you can give them, and you never tell them how to do it. You give them impossible tasks. And uh, then you're amazed at how much ingenuity, how much uh, perseverance, how much bravery that they would display in accomplishing that mission impossible, and making it look routine. So I, uh, they, they say, I see it on the military channel, untold stories of the Navy SEALs. And there's always a lot of pretty interesting stuff. Untold stories of the special forces. And do uh, you know the real stuff? It never gets told. <laughs> That's why it's untold And uh, Delta, now, of course, they incorporate, uh, you've got some Marines in Delta, because Delta is an amalgamation of the best talent. But the core of Delta Force is Special Forces. And the reason is because you have these guys who are trained from day one There is no rule book. Don't show me any regulations. Don't show me any rules. You create. You use original thought. Have you ever thought about that? Look at Michelangelo. 
Tell me that wasn't original thought, what came into the Sistine Chapel. Well, that's a special forces operator. Now, you don't find special forces operators uh, that got good haircuts because these guys are going to look like, you know, they come from foreign countries or they come from the area that the target is. So they may have long hair. Uh, they may uh, have, uh, you know, a lot of countries it's a sign, uh, it's a good sign if you have a little fingernail that's a lot longer. Uh, in, in Asia, for example, and the other. They sleep. They have to speak the language. They have to live with those people. Now, if you have tattoos and your special forces, you're in a little bit of trouble because your deployment is limited. But how are you going to explain that tattoo unless uh, you have had it removed? Then you got to be able to explain that. So it's kind of like the old SS uh, having an SS blood group member. You can look and if you see a German uh, that has a blank up under his arm where his blood group is supposed to be, and nothing there but a scar, what do you assume? <clears throat> Excuse me. All right, now let me get down to some things that are of importance. Uh, we know that we've been watching uh, Cairo, Egypt, and uh, we know that I've been telling you, and you should know this on your own without me. The CIA, this is what they do best. Uh, when Ahmadinejad in Iran was elected, they bought a riot. Just like Colonel Arthur D. Bull Simons bought a riot in Tehran uh, to get H. Ross Perot's EDS guys out of prison, uh, the CIA, they could afford to buy a bigger riot. They got even more money than H. Ross Perot. Well, in this case, the CIA has sought to buy multiple riots, and they've done a good job. They have, and then you look and say, well, uh, why would we want to get uh, rid of somebody like uh, Mubarak? Well, why would we want to get rid of somebody like Samosa? Remember Nicaragua and Samosa, West Point, Bradford? Uh, why would we want to uh, get rid of somebody like Batista. Well, in this case, we may not have wanted to get rid of him, but uh, you see, it gave, here Castro comes in and throws Batista out. Now the CIA has an opportunity to uh, re-scramble that whole thing. The mafia, they're, uh, of course, going to run all the gambling uh, in Havana. And Pepsi-Cola uh, with uh, Nixon, as a matter of fact, he just got uh, being through being vice president. He was now a director of Pepsi-Cola, and uh, they were going to get all the sugar cane. And all of a sudden, uh, it don't work out in the CIA's uh, case there. So we move on. Uh, we look at uh, Guatemala. We got 
United Fruit Company. And so we have uh, a fellow, our friends is the president there. Excuse me for not being able to remember these things, but they just happened yesterday, it seems like, and I can't still have a hard time remembering the personalities, but it's important you tie kind of, you know, tie a personality. It's sort of like staking things down. But our bends, my gosh, here is a duly, officially elected president of a country that is attached to Mexico, down south of Mexico, the country you come to is Guatemala. We got the United Fruit Company down there. We fly bombers and bomb Guatemala City to send our bins the message, United Company, you may be the president, it is the king. It's the mafia. It's like the mafia. We go wherever we have to go. Do you realize the Phoenix program now, which was the assassination program uh, that was supposed to get rid of the infrastructure over in Vietnam? It was a, a good idea from the boys at Langley. About 40,000 people were killed. Unfortunately, when you hire professional murderers, uh, what kind of people are you hiring? Now, let, let me frame it uh, slightly different. Are you going to get people that graduate from Cambridge? You're going to get people that graduate from Princeton, people that are Harvard and Yale and all of these Ivy League universities. Are you going to, that the CIA loves so much, the good Mormons, are you going to get them to, as a routine, murder every night? Cutting an ear off so you can prove that that person lost the life. Looking at records, spying on people, determining who might be supporting the enemy. So we call them the infrastructure, the auxiliary, the underground, supporting the guerrilla. And now you go off and you murder them. Murder them. That's what the Phoenix program was. Well, you don't get the good guys. You don't get the guys from Langley. You don't get the CIA boys. You don't even get the good American soldiers. Now, I ran a program, an assassination program. But you see, in my special op, I ran the special op. I accomplished the mission. Nobody uh, knew how to do it better, or they would have been doing it. So they gave me the missions, and uh, then in some cases I was told, Bo, we don't want to know. I've had brief backs with four-star generals, and as I've told you, I have refused. I've had a three-star general call me a young bandit that thinks I have license to kill anybody and that I have to follow the MACV rules of engagement. Hogwash. We weren't even following 
uh, what Henry Kissinger and all the presidents and the U.N. and everybody had said the war zone was. Our war was beyond. Our war was where the enemy was. That was our target. Now, I had some scruples. I ran, and so I confess this to you. But, and look, I'm, gonna, I'm going to use this as a comparison. In Tainan, the CIA had a villa. Now, they were running a Phoenix operation out of Tainan City, uh, which is up on the Cambodian border, and areas that Vietnam vets will recognize as the parrot's beak and elephant's ear. Now, there were huge numbers of NVA, and that was the headquarters. Tainan province was the headquarters for all of the South Vietnamese communists. That's right. All the South Vietnamese communists, hindquarters, was in Tainan province. And so you can understand why Phoenix program uh, would have an assassination uh, unit there. Now, what they did was they hired mercenaries. And the mercenaries would go out and they would uh, collect information on who the cadre was, who the supporters were, who was giving uh, you know, information, who was helping out, uh, anyone who might have been in what we call the infrastructure, helping the enemy, uh, they were put on a list. And then the uh, Americans would look at the list, and they would approve it. Well, who were the Americans to say, no, uh, this guy is actually a Vietnamese agent uh, posing as a, as a Viet Cong uh, sympathizer? And anyway, that gave clearance, and then these people, uh, these uh, indigenous people, they would go out and kill the people on this list, and they would cut off their ear as proof. Now, Phoenix killed about 40,000 people. After it was all over, uh, they discovered an awful truth. Very few were actually uh, enemy agents that were working for the enemy. Very few uh, were, uh, most of them, you know who they were? They were people who were artisans, they were teachers, they were businessmen. They were people who were making a living. And these assassins would approach them and tell them, hey, uh, I am working for the Americans over living that big villa, you know, by the Kaodai Temple. Well, somehow, you know how crazy those Americans are. They've got you on this kill list. Let me show you. Now, I can probably, you know, they're all so corrupt. If you'll give me so much money, I can probably uh, either get your name put down further on the list, and I'll let you know when it comes up again. Or I might get you off the list altogether. Well, the people who would not be intimidated, it's like the mafia coming in and saying, uh, pay us and there won't nobody break your window tonight. Well, they got killed because this was deadly business. 
and sanctioned by the CIA. And they got uh, paid uh, by what they were able to produce. And in the end, they found that uh, there were really very few. It didn't work. The infrastructure didn't collapse uh, where the South Vietnamese communist organization uh, couldn't exist because all of their infrastructure was being identified and murdered. It was a lot easier for the murderers, that kind of person, to get weak people and intimidate them and extort them. That's who they, what they were doing. They were getting a school teacher. When she couldn't pay them anymore, then they'd kill her and get money off of her. Well, at least in my, the way that I ran it, is I ran it uh, on the bus system out of Saigon. And what would happen is I would put women, uh, because it's interesting, even the Viet Cong, when they stopped the bus to collect taxes, or soldiers got on or off the buses, uh, they don't bother the women. And so I had women riding the buses. Well, the women would spot armed civilians that were carrying concealed weapons or soldiers that looked like they had military importance. They would get off the bus. They would make contact with a special forces intelligence sergeant. They would follow that contact. If they successfully followed the contact of where he was going to be spending the night, if they could, now this was you know left up to them, they would see if they couldn't make physical contact so they could uh, act as if they are going to sleep with that person. And they would be issued weapons of their choices. Their mission was to kill that person and to bring the weapon because by checking the serial number of the weapon, we could determine whether or not we'd killed a friendly agent. We never did. It was always a communist agent that was killed. And uh, I had quite a nest. I don't know what happened to them when I couldn't stand the war anymore and left. But uh, that was the way that I ran the assassination program. It had to be a weapon that came back to me. And so I felt... Uh, more of a conscience. What I did feel was really creepy when these girls uh, would be brought in and I would uh, either hiring one, firing one, or interrogating uh, ones that had more complicated missions. One girl loved to use razor blades between her fingers. That was when Gillette was big, and you could put uh, three Gillette razor blades uh, in each hand and all she had to do was stroke the enemy's face in the dark and his throat just stroke at one time. He never felt anything. All of a sudden, maybe you feel wet. All of a sudden, you feel dizzy. Then you die. Then she would appear with the weapon, give it to the intelligence sergeant, and uh, he would check the body and check the weapon and let me know what the result was. All right, so CIA is buying uh, these riots overseas, and I mentioned to you yesterday that uh, the overall meaning of this is that the people who have, like 
And can I give you some examples? Uh, yesterday after the program was over, uh, Frank and I were talking before the next uh, his next show. Uh, Frank Steffen is owner and operator of American Voice. And uh, I started mentioning some of my contacts, and uh, Frank started commenting on uh, a, car, a group called the Carlisle Group. And I told him, I, you know, I haven't kept up with the Carlisle Group. I wonder what they're doing now. Because, see, the Carlisle Group is exactly the kind of group it had George Bush, Minnie Me Bush, it had James Baker, the Cargyle Group had uh, Carlucci, who was my boss's boss, had my boss in there. Carlucci, who was this guy? He was Assistant Deputy Secretary of Defense. He was the Deputy Director of Central Intelligence under Stansfield Turner. And so what are they doing? Well, they go out of government, and they come together in this very influential organization. Look it up on your computer, the Carlisle Group. Look at the influential people. Look at the jobs that they had. This is where, and, and for example, let me give you Frank uh, Carlucci. He goes to Zurich. My boss goes to Zurich. That is where that's the largest arms dealers in the world. And so all of this, would you believe that Ollie North told the truth when he said there is a, quote, shadow government? Do you believe anything out of the Bible? Could you possibly believe anything out of the Bible about how in the end there is this a powerful one-world government. And we see before our very eyes the financial falling down. Well, how do you, I've told you, the equation, uh, we call it nation building, but see, in special forces, you either build up a nation and you use the same equation, or you tear down a nation. Either way, your choice. And the first thing that you do is you have to identify everyone. The second, so it's, there's this ID card business. Secondly, and there's this income tax. They always have a way of identifying this. Secondly, is you control the currency. You don't allow any currency that the government doesn't know where it is. That's why it's so important that we get away from cashless systems. And then you control the firearms. No firearms, except in the hands of the military, the authorities, the government. And when you have done that, when you control the firearms, when you control the identity, when you control the currency, you control the people and that nation. And that is exactly what is going on here. Well, here we are. There's our young Green Beret calling us again. Uh, I will be back with you uh, tomorrow. Think 
about what is going on all around us. Think about who you are and your place in all of this. Think about what you're going to do. Now, there's a big storm in the, in the east now. Well, think about if it's oppression by government. What do you do? How do you live? All right. We're going to make it. I guarantee you. We'll test Just stick with American Voice Radio. Freedom Call be back. When the green berets train to live off nature's land, trained in combat hand to hand, men who fight by night and day, courage takes from the green berets, silver America's best 100 men will test today, but only three win the Green Beret. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit discount gold and silver trading at dgscoins.com. That's dgscoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Most people realize
is their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. AVR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Constitutional Crusaders show on the American Voice Radio Network. I'm your host, M. Roy Ben Shadler, constitutional counselor, and still all around pain in the rear end to bureaucrats and petty thugs everywhere. Today is Monday, June 27th, 2016. It is the 3 o'clock hour out here on the left coast. If you're listening some other time zone, obviously you're going to have to adjust accordingly. This is a live call-in show. Calling in is not necessary. Thinking, however, is we do give that exemption, of course, to those members of Media Matters, the Southern Poverty Law Center, as well as those government agents that are paid to listen to this show, because after all, if we required them to think that would create a hostile work environment, we do not want to be responsible for that. If you'd like to call in, the number is real simple, 1-800-932-1980, or you may send an instant message directly to the host via Yahoo Instant Messenger ID, kc 7 AQK, as is our want. We like to open up this show with the wisdom of the ages, otherwise known as the dead white guy quote. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We don't pass it on to our children in our blood. It must be fought for, protected, and handed to them by our example, or one day we will spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it was once like in the United States when men were free." End quote. Especially potent words from President Ronald Reagan. Think of them throughout today's stories and in light of next week being July 4th. So go and read the Declaration of Independence out loud to your family. Force the loudmouth liberal cousin to sit down and shut up 
for a few minutes, then take a few minutes to explain what happened to those 53 men who pledged their lives, fortunes, and sacred honor. We have 23 pages of stuff to get to, and we will get to as much of it as possible right after this little disclaimer. Warning, this show may be hazardous to your paradigms if you are a whiny, crying, liberal, pinko, commie bedwetter, an inept, overpaid bureaucrat, or are still mad over Reagan's tax cut. Should you fit into any one of the above categories, immediately have your friends tie you down for some truth therapy. Continue this therapy until you can dismiss your delusions and can deal with reality. If you cannot handle 100% pure, unadulterated truth, this radio show will not be held responsible for your predictable discomfort. My friends, my job is very simple. It is to comfort the disturbed and to disturb the comfortable. After all, as I've been telling you for a long time, I am not interested in awakening the masses. The masses, uh, the, the D-U-M-B part is silent there. The masses have made it clear that they are not interested. I'm here to connect like minds and awaken those that want to learn. So if you're here, it's because that's the way you are. So on the subject of learning, let's learn about one of the great mysteries in life, shall we? A great mystery, why don't feminists challenge radical Islam? Well, because real misogynists are terrifying. Janet Bloomfield, who goes by a rather um, colorful nickname, uh, she calls herself Judgy... Well, it rhymes with witch. I'll just let you know that. She, so she calls herself judgy and, like I say, a word that rhymes with witch. And I'll let your imagination flow over that. But Jenna Bloomfield posts a rather interesting hit piece on this concept by starting out talking about Phyllis Chesler. Phyllis Chesler has a piece at the New York Post demanding to know why feminists refuse to challenge radical Islam in any of its manifestations. Quoting Phyllis is, the Middle East and Western Africa are burning. Iran is raping female civilians and torturing political prisoners. The Pakistani Taliban are shooting young girls in the head for trying to get an education and disfiguring them with acid if their veils are askew. And yet, now... National Association of Women passed no resolution opposing this. What's going on? Well, Chelsea diagnoses rampant feminist cowardice, and she's quite correct. 
Feminists are largely spoiled, middle-class white girls unaccustomed to concepts like accountability or responsibility. And courage is a rare sight with this lot. But Chesler misses just what feminists are terrified of, saying here, Feminists are typically leftists who view America with a K and white Christian men as their most dangerous enemies, while remaining silent about Islamist barbarians such as ISIS. Feminists strongly criticize Christianity and Judaism, but they're strangely reluctant to oppose Islam, as if doing so would be racist. They fail to understand that religion is a belief or an ideology, not a skin color. And why? They are terrified of being seen as politically incorrect and then demonized and shunned for it. Well, all these things are true, but they still not the heart of feminist fear. They are afraid if they criticize Islam... They will end up dead. Radical Islam is their delusion of patriarchy come to life. Radical Islam is misogyny personified. And real misogyny doesn't care how you sit on the subway or how you wrap Christmas presents. Nope. Real misogyny shoots you in the head. To be fair here. Let's be fair, after all. Radical Islam is not only misogynist. Chesler leads her piece with the headline, As ISIS brutalizes women, a pathetic feminist silence. And certainly ISIS has an indisputable track record of horrific violence against women. But it's not like men are getting a free pass. No. ISIS brutalizes everyone who does not share their vision of Islam. If anything, women get a minuscule amount of gender privilege in that they are allowed to live. Well, if you consider living in a, a slave uh, situation, living, but I digress. But they get to live, and if you're still alive, you have one more day to fight. That's better than being dead. So, what radical Islam does is remind feminists that if patriarchy were a real thing in our culture, if misogyny were a real thing in our culture, if men hating women and wanted them chained in the basements, well, guess what? They'd be chained in the basements. In actual fact, Western men are the most indulgent, permissive, tolerant men you will find anywhere on the planet in the face of real misogyny. Whining feminists end up looking like petulant toddlers tossing expensive toys at their designer prams, complaining they are oppressed. I think it's worth noting here that radical Islam is the face of misogyny at this moment, in part because the Western media ignores male victims and prioritizes women, and in part because this is the moment we live in. 
Radical Islam has no exclusive claim to misogyny or brutality or murderous rampages throughout civilian populations. History is crammed with examples of reigns of terror which required neither religion nor gender. All it takes is radicalization. Radicalize anything tends to be a nightmare. Feminist knows that pissing off radicalized men is a very, very bad idea. Pissing off radicalized women isn't much smarter, but it does tend to be men who pick up rocket launchers and pipe bombs and chunks of concrete to meet out their definitions of justice. The media adores painting all women under radical Islamic um, under under radical Islam, there we go, as helpless victims trapped and silenced by the omnipresent patriarchy. But the exodus of young women from the West to join the Islamic State suggests that radicalization is gender neutral. And there are just as many women who share their goals and dreams of ISIS as there are men. After all, a lot of women hidden under burqas want to be there. And they will mount the spirited defense of their veiling if questioned by feminists. Feminists tend to cave in on the issue immediately again, not because they respect women's choices, but because they are afraid they will end up dead if they don't. It's much smarter to criticize Israel where the men are westernized into gentleness toward women than is to criticize Palestine where radical Islam holds sway. To reiterate, in case it's not clear, in reality, radical Islam tends to show a slight preference for women in letting them live. Radical Islam is brutal to everyone, but feminists imagine the brutality is aimed at women only. Maybe it's because they're only ever concerned about women. And what they see scares the crap out of them. Feminists attempt to rationalize their fear of challenging Islam without admitting straight up that real misogyny is terrifying. And they face nothing even resembling actual misogyny and can lead to some very odd proclamations. For example, Amanda Mar Scott, not the sharpest tool in the shed to begin with, was recently on PMSNBC claiming that Osama bin Laden was silly. This is the same Amanda Marscott who will write screed after screed after screed about how old white Christian men are destroying women's lives by not letting them abort their babies the day before they're due, or asking women to pay for their own birth control, but a terrorist who, well, allegedly financed and orchestrated the death of 3,000 people is just a feeble old man, quite harmless, really, and it was silly to kill him. Why, with feeble old men like Bin Laden in charge, we really needn't fuss over burkas and stonings and acid attacks. Right? Marcotte will attack white Christian men in her own country because she has nothing and she knows nothing will happen to her. No one's going to bury her in a pit up to her waist and throw rocks at her until she's dead because she won't live in a patriarchy and we don't hate women. She doesn't dare criticize an Islamic man who is dead because brutality against humans is real in northern Pakistan, for example. And she's 
scared crap out of those feeble old men. Now, I'm not terribly familiar with Pakistan, personally. But if it's anything like Iran, a great deal of the imagined patriarchy is just as mythical there as it is here. But the feminist imagination is a powerful thing and is not limited by facts, laws, evidence, or proof. See, radical Islam is brutal, period. Feminists get trapped by their own imaginations, particularly their delusions of patriarchy and misogyny. Radical Islam and radical Sharia law are easy to cast as both patriarchal and misogynistic because they are, although they're not only patriarchal and misogynistic. Sharia provides protections for women and obligations for men, and any analysis of those laws without considering men's responsibilities in addition to their privileges is necessarily incomplete. Make no mistake, this is not an apology for radical Islam or Sharia law. After all, I'll go to war to prevent radical Islam from infiltrating my country. I'll go to war to prevent anything radical from infiltrating. And quite frankly, radical feminism represents more of an immediate threat than radical Islam. Being a keyboard warrior is sufficient action at the moment, and I feel pretty confident that a war of words ending in the defeat of feminism is all that will ever come of this, and not because I think we are too enlightened or too culturally refined to engage in something as nasty as war. No, not at all. It's because, well, let's get to the next of the matter, shall we? This lady here does it, and she says, it's because feminists are cowards. They are pampered, rich, white women who have never worked a day in their life at anything truly challenging or difficult. Radical Islam doesn't think anyone is special. No one is protected from the consequences of their choices. Nope, not with radical Islam. It's the ultimate goal in gender equality in a way. After all, the blade against your throat doesn't care what's between your legs. Radical Islam frightens feminists because it makes it just so clear how very privileged, revered, fortunate, and favored Western women really are. If and when push comes to shove, feminists are going to have to swallow every hateful word they've ever written about the men in their own societies and plead for their protection. You think ISIS is scary on a satellite feed beaming in from thousands upon thousands of miles away? Try them on your doorstep. Well, let's hope that never happens. Let's hope, as with many previous moments throughout history, that radical Islam is colonized by moderates who want health and happiness for their children and their children's children. And let's pray that saner heads will prevail. And if that doesn't happen, let's get ready for the cowardly feminists confronting what real hate looks like. We'll get t-shirts after all. After all, you reap what you sow, ladies. <clears throat> well, she didn't use the word ladies. She used that, that word that rhymes with witches, but you get the idea. And then says, enjoy the real patriarchy. Now, my friends, this is a Reader's Digest condensed version of um, JB's article. 
I really cut it way, way down. Actually, I had a wonderful editor that helped cut it way, way down for me and still give you the idea of what she was saying. But I really recommended that if you are as, shall we say, hot about radical feminism as I am because I've seen it in all its ugly glory and such, get a hold of the article and read the whole thing. It's quite an eye-opener. Okay, why is college so expensive? Let's switch gears completely here. Well, libertarian Gary Johnson wants to eliminate education department and revamp student loans. You see, Gary Johnson, the former Republican governor in New York and the current Libertarian Party's presidential candidate, recently explained to International Business Times how he would tackle the United States education system. The first question from the IBT was, you just mentioned eliminating the IRS. I know you've also proposed that if you were president, you would get rid of the Department of Education, which is something that's so obviously of great interest to my generation. Well, how would that work? How would you kind of walk me through your thoughts? And Gary replied, let me walk you through this one, okay? New York City, Washington, D.C., Here's New York City. New York City sends Washington, D.C. 13 cents, okay? It goes to Washington, D.C., and when it comes back to New York, it's 11 cents. Gee, how did that transaction work? Something happened. Bureaucracy happened, all right? And then they send 11 cents back, so 11 cents out of every school dollar that every state spends comes from the federal government, but it comes with 15 cents worth of strings attached, meaning they get to say, to get the 11 cents, we want you to do A, B, C, and D. Well, do A, B, C, and D. That's the four cents that the state would have to spend in ways that it saw fit, but it has got to comply with the federal government to receive it. So if none of this transaction ever occurred in the first place, a dollar would get spent in New York in ways that New Yorkers want to, to have spend that money. Does that make sense? IBT replies, it sure does make sense. I know that Congress just recently passed an educational law that returns a lot of that federal control to the local level. You want to go even further than that? Johnson says, so they're going to return more control. Why should they have any control in the first place. That's my point. I think we have this notion that the Department of Education was established under George Washington when it was established under Jimmy Carter. This also leads to another topic, which is, why is the cost of tuition so high? IBT says, I was just going to ask you that. Johnson said, it's guaranteed government student loans. If guaranteed government student loans never existed, tuition today would be half of what it is because colleges and universities would have to go out and attract you as a student. And they would have to be as effective and efficient as everything else in our lives. But because you are guaranteed a government student loan, you have no excuse not to go to college. Colleges and universities' tuitions keep going up 
They have absolutely no reality with regard to their pricing. And if every college student tomorrow says, I'm not going to college until the price of college university education drops, guess what? It would. It would happen. It would happen dramatically. And I'm sorry that college's graduates today have been sold a bill of goods, graduating with college with a home mortgage without a home. I think college students have been sold a bill of goods. Well, the thing is, um, he's absolutely right, my friends. He is absolutely right. You set these programs up and the law of unintended consequences comes around, except I've shown you how these weren't unintended consequences. These were deliberately contrived and conceived consequences. And most people can't even begin to fathom them. And that's the real pity there, my friends. And speaking of real pity, hmm, did you hear what B.O. said when he was on safe ground over in Britain? Yeah. Yeah, in an interview with Britain's BBC, B.O. said that Americans having guns and observing their second article rights, second article of the Bill of Rights, that is, is far worse than Muslim terrorism. Mm-hmm. In the interview, Obama lamented that he has not been able to put an end to the Second Amendment and noted that Americans are worse than terrorists. His exact words were, quote, if you look at the number of Americans killed since 9-11 by terrorism, it's less than 100. If you look at the number that have been killed by gun violence, it's in the tens of thousands, end quote. Now, in the lead up to this statement, B.O. mentions mass killings with guns, but did not mention mass killings or attempted mass killings in which those holding the guns were <gasps> jihadists. He said, quote, the United States of America is the only advanced nation on Earth in which we do not have sufficient common sense gun safety laws, end quote. There you go, my friends. That's what our illustrious leader thinks of us. I just thought you'd like to know, in case you weren't aware. <sighs> You're listening to the Constitution Crusader Show on the American Voice Radio Network. Don't you go anywhere. We will be right back.
their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Constitutional Crusader Show on the American Voice Radio Network. I'm your host, Samroy Ben Shadler, constitutional counselor and still all around pain in the rear end to bureaucrats and petty thugs all over. Well, my friends, I have been telling you about, um, uh, uh, well, whichever one you want, Frank, you know, <laughs> okay, he's, I've been asked the question, which one, whichever one you want, so just, uh, just something there, waving, a flat, oh, flapping away to maybe the Gadsden one. How about that one? Does that work for you? Uh, for those of you who have no idea what we're talking about, which is probably about 99.9% of you, uh, Frank was pointing out to me the new AVR one 
uh, front page, uh, which is really slick and really nice. All the information that you need um, to access American Voice Radio right there. It's uh, nice and uh, clean and simple. Anyway, as I was saying before a little side comment started here, one of the things that I've been trying to point out to you is the many tyrannies of our beloved federal government. And one of them is their insistence on removing due process rights from as many Americans as possible. And to get started on that, college campi, all across the country is the main place where the indoctrination on the loss of rights starts. And it starts with Title IX. Well, the Office for Civil Rights, that unelected bureaucracy, has caused a huge dissembling, disassembling, there we go, of the rights of due process, and there's finally a case coming forward through the court system which could destroy Title IX. A former UVA law student was punished for sexual misconduct under an improperly low evidence standard. Yep, University of Virginia law student was accused of sexual misconduct and banned from campus years after the alleged incident and is now suing the U.S. Department of Education for giving UVA no choice but to rule against him. His lawsuit is a direct challenge to the legality of the campus kangaroo courts the federal government claims are required under Title IX. Lawyers representing the student, John Doe, argue pervasively that he would have been found innocent of wrongdoing if not for the BO administration's insistence that universities adjudicate sexual assault under the preponderance of evidence standard. This makes Doe's lawsuit the strongest legal assault on Title IX to date. If successful, it could undo some of the damage wrought by the Office, uh, OCR, OC, Office for Civil Rights uh, crusade to remove elements of due process from campus rape trials. Quote, this lawsuit is targeting the cause and not just the symptoms of the complete lack of due process on campus, said Justice Dillon, legal counsel for Doe and a partner at the firm Kaiser Dillon PLCC, talking to Reason Magazine. To understand why this lawsuit is such a threat to the government, it's necessary to understand how OCR's Title IX guidance has evolved over the years. So I'm going to tell you about that. Here it goes. Prior to 2011, the office never held that Title IX, a one-sentence statute,
statute forbidding sex discrimination in schools required educational institutions to adopt the preponderance of evidence standard in sexual assault disputes. Recall that the preponderance of evidence standards only requires 51% certainty that misconduct took place. While it is used in civil cases, criminal cases require a much higher burden of proof, the beyond a reasonable doubt standard. Campus sexual assault disputes, of course, are neither criminal nor civil cases. They aren't proper legal proceedings at all. Now, It's important to note that the preponderance of evidence standard is the only aspect of civil court cases that OCR obliges universities to institute. In civil cases, for instance, plaintiffs and defendants are granted the critical right to cross-examine each other. Students have no such right in university misconduct hearings. In fact, OCR's guidance discourages cross-examination, and in several cases, OCR has explicitly forbidden universities from allowing cross-examination, according to the lawsuit. Now, Requiring a lower standard of proof, but failing to require or explicitly excluding rights that counterbalance this lower standard was clearly a substantial shift for the government. But federal agencies aren't allowed to make up new rules out of nowhere. They are required under the Administrative Procedures Act to ask citizens to weigh in, subjecting the new rule to a public comment period. Under different leadership during previous presidential administrations, OCR twice complied with the APA and published notice of proposed rules allowing public comment. But OCR Assistant Secretary Rasulian Ali, the predecessor of current OCR boss Catherine Lamont, ignored this requirement in 2011 when she released the infamous Dear Colleague letter that informed universities of the absolute necessity of the preponderance of evidence standard. The different standard affected the outcome of Doe's case. Prior to the Dear Colleague letter, UVA used a clear and convincing standard, which isn't as strong as beyond a reasonable doubt, but is still stronger than a preponderance of the evidence. The university revised its policies in light of OCR's guidance, and then Doe was accused of sexual misconduct on March 6, 2015. A female student, Jane Rowe, claimed that that had been too intoxicated to consent to sexual activity with Doe on August 23, 2013. Notice the dates here, my friends, years ago. Her claims seem skeptical. For one thing, her complaint came a full year and a half after the alleged encounter, just two months before Doe's graduation from law school. For another thing, Doe says that Roe didn't appear drunk at all, and she certainly wasn't incapacitated. Students who are merely intoxicated can still consent to sex, of course. 
Doe's graduation was put on hold for a year. For reasons that aren't clear, the dispute was not adjudicated until January 2016. And during that time, Doe lost out on a job that was contingent upon his graduation. A former Pennsylvania Supreme Court justice presided over Doe's hearings. She ultimately decided that the evidence slightly indicated Doe's guilt. And according to the lawsuit, she specifically referenced the low evidence threshold as the reason for the findings of responsibility. If a higher standard had indeed been in effect, the justice would have very likely come to a different determination. She admitted Doe was given four months of counseling and a lifetime ban from UVA property, and he received his law degree in 2016. The ordeal may not be over for him, however. UVA is one of the nearly 200 universities under investigation by OCR for mishandling Title IX. If OCR determines during the course of its investigation that UVA erred in any of its sexual misconduct procedures, it could theoretically impose new and additional punishments, such as the absurd Orwellian power that OCR has claimed for itself. Those attorneys contend that he would have been cleared of any wrongdoing if not for OCR's requirement that the UVA use a preponderance of evidence standard, a requirement that the agency failed to institute via the process mandated by the Administrative Procedures Act. Quote, we're hoping that a judge will force OCR to follow the law and actually ask the American people on all sides of this issue what they think the law should be instead of just imposing it on them, said Dylan. That's what the law actually requires, and we're hopeful a judge will hold, hold OCR to it. OCR's Title IX crusade is responsible for countless deprivations of students' due process rights. It also encouraged universities to censor Students' free speech rights due to concerns about harassment. A win for Doe could serve as a meaningful rebuke to the notion that a lone federal agency has unchecked power to compel universities to mistreat its students. Okay, that's the end of the article, my friends. Now, what's the real problem here? Now, most of the time, I really, really, really enjoy Reason Magazine, Libertarian Magazine, okay? But in this case, I felt that they missed the mark, way missed the mark. Can you figure out where they missed the mark? Yeah, Congress. Separation of powers. Congress has allowed this monster the Administrative Procedures Act, to replace them. Exactly. That's what exactly has happened. The Administrative Procedures Act is now allows administratives like the Office of Civil, for Civil Rights to bypass Congress and create new laws that you and I will have to live under without Congress passing them. Isn't that sweet? How can this end? Real simply, 
Congress needs to do something it hasn't done in a hell of a long time. It needs to write a budget and then submit it to the president. A budget that's a take it or leave it. Of course, the president has the ability to line item veto things out of it, but not line item things into it. So Congress comes along and says, you know what? This Office for Civil Rights, it's been screwing with people. We're allocating zero dollars for them. And then they just dry up and go away, just like that. And if the president tries to do what he does now, where he has no budget but just a giant blank check that lets him write money wherever and whenever he wants to, um, he can't just take it from someplace else and spend it because, well, if Congress, again, has the backbone to rebuke him, it's called impeachment, my friends. Yeah. Okay. Study on gun violence obliterates Obama's gun control push. Have you heard about this? The next time a liberal brings up the issue of gun control, show them this. Nice little meme here. It reads, President Obama ordered the CDC to study gun violence, and the results are in. 61% of gun-related deaths are suicide. In a nation of 300 million, mass shootings kill an average of 20 people per year, and people who defend themselves with guns are less likely to be killed or injured by criminals than those who do not. Breitbart reports it this way. Death statistics from from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, otherwise known as CDC, coupled with crime statistics from the FBI, show that bicycles and falling deaths far exceed deaths from mass shootings. For example, on September 24th, the FBI released a study showing that there were 64 incidents of mass killings, i.e. mass shootings, for the years 2000 through 2013. The gunmen in these incidents took the lives of 418 people. 418 people who were killed over a 14-year period works out to an average of just under 30 persons a year, 29.8 to be exact. For example, the CDC bicycle-related injury report shows for 2010 that almost twice as many people died on bicycles in that one year than were killed in mass shootings during the entire 14 years studied by the FBI. Thus, while there were 418 deaths in mass shootings from 2000 to 2013, there were 800 deaths by bicycle in 2010 alone. How about that? You know what? We should probably ban bikes. Ah, yeah, that'd solve everything. Bikes kill. Make that clear. The operator's not at fault. And while we're at it, Let's ban spoons, knives, TVs, stand-up comedy, conservative news sites, this, that, and, oh, and all whites, of course. Problem solved. Yeah, I know. Sarcasm. But sometimes sarcasm is the only thing that you have left, my friends. Well, speaking of people. 
pinheads. How about this? The pinheads over at the Washington Post have spoken. Yep, they say that being nicer to Muslims will stop Islamic terrorism. I kid you not, my friends. Apparently, if we smile at radical Islamists and give them hugs, they would not want to kill us. So says writers Sarah Loin Padilla and Michael Gelfand from the Washington Post. So we have an instant message. I hope I haven't been ignoring it for too long. Hey, the police killed 1,000 in 2016 so far. Does that count as gun violence? Well, that's a very interesting question. And I have a very interesting answer. No. Why? Because if they was to include that as gun violence, well, then that would make all sorts of other questions start to come up. So, no, we don't want to include that. No, 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 no. Can't do that. Okay? I hope that answered the question. Now, back to the Washington, the pinheads at the Washington Post. Okay. So, this notion about being nice to Islamists, that is, was echoed by Attorney General Loretta Lynch telling the LGBT community in a speech that the best way to respond to the Orlando tragedy is with love and compassion. The Washington Post blames the way Muslims are treated for the level of terrorism we have around attacking Europe and America. You can read the entire article at the Washington Post, but here's a few juicy excerpts that I thought you'd like to hear, such as, such displays of intolerance can make Muslims feel like they don't belong in Europe or the United States. Or how about this one? Our research, forthcoming in behavioral science and policy, in partnership with the World Organization for Resource Development and Education, shows that making Muslims feel this way can fuel support for radical movements. In other words, many Western policies that aim to prevent terrorism may actually be causing it. Yeah, right. Uh, How about this one? To decrease the risk of homegrown radicalization, we should work to improve integration of Muslim immigrants, not further isolate them. This means welcoming Syrian refugees, not excluding them. It means redefining what it means to be American or German in a way that is inclusive and doesn't represent only the majority culture. It means showing interest in and appreciation for other cultural and religious traditions, not fearing them. Yeah, right. Uh, Next, our data suggests that policies that pressure immigrants to conform to their adopted culture, like France's ban on religious symbols in public institutions or the burqa ban, are likely to backfire because such policies are disrespectful to their heritage. (sighs) Wow. Wow. 
Okay, last but not least, communities can make it harder for terrorists to recruit by helping the culturally homeless feel more at home. (sighs) Wow, so there you have it, folks. All we have to do is roll over, give out hugs, smile, and accept Anything radical Islamists hand us, and they will stop killing people. Well, of course they'll stop. That's what they want. They have a message and theology that teaches, conform to what we believe in, our way of life, or we will kill you. So thank you, Washington Post, for stating the obvious. We're so much better off now and headed down the path of saving humanity. Yeah, right. Oh, we have another instant message. What do we got here? Between 210,000 and 440,000 suffer some kind of preventable harm that contributes to their death. Ban hospitals and doctors. Yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely, yes, right. Yes, medical misadventures of leading cause of death in this country. Much worse than radical Islam or um, guns, for that matter. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, third leading. Yes, third leading cause. Yes, thank you, thank you, uh, thank you. Oh, now, I just couldn't believe this when I read this, my friends. I mean, I was shocked. Who would have think such a thing would have happened? I mean, it's like, uh, uh, it's, it's inconceivable. Well, not really. After all, when you look at the history of the Clinton crime family, it's not inconceivable at all that you open up your paper and read a headline, UN official found dead was set to testify against Hillary Clinton the same day a barbell fell on his neck. Yep. It sure is amazing how lucky the Clintons have got when people are going to testify against them and then they die. Ash was due in court today, as a matter of fact, with his Chinese businessman co-defendant NG, who was charged with smuggling $4.5 million in the U.S. since 2013 and lying that it was to buy art and casino chips. NG was identified in a 1998 Senate report as the source of hundreds of thousands of dollars illegally funneled through an Arkansas restaurant owner, Charlie Tree, remember that name, to the Democrat National Committee during the Clinton administration. NG was not charged with any crime. Now, NG and Tree had visited the White House several times for Democrat fundraising events and were photographed with then-President Bill Clinton and first, 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 oh God, it's really hard saying these words here, First Lady Hillary Clinton, oh God, you have no idea how hard it was to say those words. One source said, during the trial, the prosecutors would have linked Ash to the Clinton bagman NG, and it would have been very embarrassing. His death was conveniently timed. From the local news report, 
From Dobbs Ferry, New York, we read the police blog report saying, A former president of the U.N. General Assembly awaiting trial in a bribery scandal died in a weightlifting accident when a barbell he was lifting from a bench dropped on his neck and autopsy revealed Thursday. John Ash was declared dead late Wednesday afternoon by a paramedic who responded to his Dobbs Ferry home. Dr. Kanjulata Ashar, Winchester County's medical examiner, said that the cause of death, traumatic asphyxia, was determined during an autopsy, though she did not perform the procedure herself and did not have additional details. It was deemed an accident based on a combination of information from the autopsy and an investigation by the Dobbs Ferry Police Department, officials said. The police department said in a statement that the death appears accidental, but provided little information otherwise. Yeah. Wow. Yes. It's just, it's, it's, I'm telling you, my friends, it's an amazing coinkadink. I mean, he was scheduled to testify today, this very day, June, what, what do we have here? June, yeah, June uh, 27th. This very day, he was scheduled to testify, and he would have linked all this together for the showing the Clinton Crime Family Foundation way back all the way to the Arkansas days. Very embarrassing. And it was just an amazing coincidence. A barbell falls on his neck and kills him. Nope, nope, no evidence of foul play. Nothing to see here. Move along. It just was an accident. Never mind who he is and, and where, what um, relevance today has. Nope. 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 It's amazing, my friends. You know, one of the most dangerous things in this world is to be friends with the Clintons. I've read you. They're hit list of people who have died. You're listening to the Constitutional Crusader Show on the American Voice Radio Network. Don't you go anywhere. We will be right back. mistake. Aspirin was discovered by mistake during World War II and suppresses your immune system and prevents blood clotting. Don't expose your body to risk when you can use a natural inflammation and pain reliever called Extra Strength Pain Relief by Apothecary Herbs. Discover the power this formula has with Salicin to enter the system in 60 seconds to work hard and relieve pain for 12 hours. Whether it's arthritis, sports injury, or flu, you can relieve aches, pain, and swelling with our Extra Strength Pain Relief Formula. Call Apothecary Herbs now, toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom
countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from ABR. The ABR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. If you believe that people in office actually care about your well-being, if you believe that statutes and codes are God's gift to man, this show is not for you. If you believe NBC, CNN, Faux News, and the like actually report real news, this show is not for you. This is the proper place where those beliefs need disposal of. So if you decide to stick around, this show will not be responsible for your mental instability. If you're brave enough to call in, this is your warning. You best bring facts to the discussion. And welcome back to the Constitutional Crusaders show on the American Voice Radio Network. It is Monday, June 27th, 2016. It is the 4 o'clock hour out here on the left coast. For those of you who are just joining us at this time, a little reminder, next Monday will be July 4th, and your host uh, is going to be, well, spending time with family and friends, and I hope that you are also. It's very important, and I encourage you to take a few minutes during your festivities and activities to uh, read the Declaration of Independence out loud to your family and force that liberal cousin to sit down and shut up and listen to you and then talk about the 53 men who signed that document and what happened to them. It's not a pretty story, but it needs to be told about what it meant to pledge their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. Very important. Okay, 
Um, for many years, my friends, I have been telling you that the definition of terrorism is, quote, a system of government that seeks to rule by intimidation, end quote. That's from the Funk and Wagnall's New Practical Standard Dictionary, published in 1946. Yes, my friends, there is a reason why I don't trust dictionaries published after 1950, because those dictionaries published after 1950 tend to have words like this removed, so you can't find them anymore. But I've got it right here, so once again... Terrorism, a system of government that seeks to rule by intimidation. Now that I've read that definition, <clears throat> let's get on to the next subject. From the Ron Paul blog, Chris Rossini writes, When fear-mongering fails... He opens up, and again, my friends, keep that definition of terrorism firmly in your brain. He opens up and says, Fear is the go-to emotion that governments prey upon. It's so reliable. The fear of the unknown causes most individuals to give away and sacrifice every liberty that they were naturally born with. A population that is perpetually afraid ultimately ends up fearing liberty itself. Government's sales pitch is that it, you need them. It is they who will protect you from a never-ending carousel of fears. Of course, that's not even remotely true, but truth is not necessary for an aggrandizement of power to take place. Just look at the TSA, for example. It has been shown over and over and over again to be nothing more than a security theater, yet it's still there, making American lives miserable. Government has nothing of its own. It produces nothing. Everything that it has, it must take away from its victims by force. A pipeline of fear stands readily available to them with excuses to justify their theft. Fear is the currency used in the exchange of liberty for power. Thankfully, we have just witnessed a historic moment. British citizens have voted to leave the European Union. A gigantic lesson can be learned from this event. It proves that fear-mongering has its limits. It's not foolproof. The propaganda used to get British citizens to stay in the European Union was astounding. It was around the clock and relentless. Even here in America, politicians and their subservient media were walking lockstep with each other in telling us why Britain should stick with the political elite's plan for the massive centralization of power. The concentration of power is a great enemy of liberty. Political power 
if it exists, should be as decentralized as possible. The further away the power center from the individual, the harder it is to change it. If the centralization of power reaches a global scale, it becomes impossible to change. Naturally, those who have a lust for power also have a lust for global government. Take Ted Cruz, for example, but I just threw that in there just as an example. Britain's vote threw a major monkey wrench into the scheme. It's yet to be seen if Britain ends up being merely the first domino to fall. Will others follow and cascade away from elitist globalism? We can only hope. But for now... A victory over propaganda and constant fear-mongering should be celebrated with cheers. Absolutely, my friends. May I remind you, earlier in the show, I was talking about the division of government. This is the Constitutional Crusader, after all. So let's talk about the Constitution for a moment, shall we? The separation of powers. Earlier in the show, I was talking about the separation of powers and Congress's role, specifically the House of Representatives' duty, mandate even, to write a budget every single year. And then that budget is to be followed by the president. It's where Congress says to the president, you are only allowed to spend this money here for this purpose. And then if Congress doesn't like it, guess what happens next year? No more money. If the president doesn't have the money to spend, what can he do? Well, if he is willing to follow the Constitution, nothing. If he's unwilling to follow the Constitution, well, then Congress needs to step up with their bat. See, the carrot is the, the budget. The bat, my friends, is impeachment and removal from office if necessary. But we've forgotten this. We've forgotten the separation of powers. Ron Paul's, or the, the, excuse me, this gentleman on Ron Paul's blog has forgotten one of the biggest things that we have is the chaos, if you will, of gridlock. Gridlock is a very very good thing, my friends, because if Congress is gridlocked, that means it's not passing things that will take away from your liberty. In fact, this is one of the reasons why the Founding Fathers specifically wrote into the Constitution a limit of the number of people a representative could represent. But statists, not wanting to let go of the absolute terror of being able to push their agenda on the American people, 
said, oh, we're a growing nation. We have more and more people moving in all the time. We need to limit and cap the number of representatives because if we continue with having representatives only representing the number of people that the Constitution specifically enumerates that they are to represent, why? It would mean hundreds and hundreds and thousands of representatives in the House of Representatives, and we we just wouldn't be able to get anything done. So, no, we're going to cap it at this artificial number with no basis in the Constitution, without any amendment procedure to change the number in the Constitution, and they just started doing it. See, my friends, if we had true representatives, remember what this gentleman rightly said in his blog article about decentralized government, you know, that when it gets centralized far away from you, it doesn't respond very well to you. Well, that's exactly what we have. When you have a representative and he's representing 50,000, 100,000, 150,000 people in his district, what's your voice Amongst 150,000 people. It's damn near silent, my friends. So, what we need to do is start reminding these people, after all, it is an election year. Start reminding them of their duties under the Constitution. And I don't give a rat's rear end, my friends, if the House of Representatives has to meet in an, a Super Bowl-sized stadium to seat all of them at the same time. Because there are better ways to do it. They can just stay at home, that is, at home in their district, and meet electronically, my friends, where you have the opportunity as just one of a few thousand that elected him or her, and has the ability to unelect him or her if him or her is not repre- truly representative of your interests. But you see, that requires us, you and me, my friends, to understand the Constitution to understand what it means and why it means these things. Otherwise, we get back to that definition. And what was it again? Let's read it again from the 1946 edition of Funk and Wagnall's New Practical Standard Dictionary, Terrorism. A system of government that seeks to rule by intimidation. Oh, come on, people. Isn't that describing what we have right now? Oh, we have an instant message here. What do we got here? Miss D in Oregon writes, 
Isn't Ron Wyden one that should be living here and chooses not to, and by not living here represents no one from this state? Well, yeah, absolutely. Except Ron Wyden is not a representative of the people of the state. He's a senator. He's supposed to be representing the state. And that's another thing. The article, the um, amendment to allow for direct voting on senators, didn't the Supreme Court has ruled that it does not change anything, my friends. It doesn't change anything. The states right now, this very second, a state, any state, can go, you know what? We don't like this senator. He's not doing our bidding as a state. We are removing him, and we are going to put this person in as senator. They could do it like that, my friends, just like that. But that takes political will. Something that is in rare form these days. So what are we left with? A system of government that seeks to rule by intimidation. And intimidation works by fear. And that's what we have. And we've been cowed out into believing that it's the only thing that we can do. And then we as an American people roll over and play dead. We don't need terrorists to come in here and take over. We've got terrorists, real terrorists in Washington, D.C. And they are terrorizing us right now as the dictionary tells us, and there is the reason, again, my friends, why dictionaries have removed that definition. Because if we knew it as a people, well, (laughs) we wouldn't have it. What can I say? We just wouldn't have it. Okay, links of interest. Here we go. I've got nine of them for you. Number nine, way too long. But very good article. I warn you, however, it will make you very angry. It's about Kate's Law, named in honor of Kate Steinle, who would increase the penalty, this law would increase the penalty for illegal immigrants to return to the U.S. after being deported. Well, last year, Steinle was gunned down in broad daylight by a five-time deported criminal alien. But Speaker Ryan says that we haven't passed Katie's law or Kate's law because we don't want to clog jails with illegal drunk drivers. What was it that I was just saying about representatives not representing us, my friends? I, I seem I seem to remember this th- these these words coming out of my mouth. Then we're talking exactly about this. Instead, Speaker Ryan wants to impose the terror of criminals running rampant on our streets because he doesn't want to 
clog the jails with them. Hmm. Number eight. Oh, geez. This is a story about bars flavoring distilled spirits to make fancy mixed drinks and then being arrested for it. You know, it kind of reminds me of what President Reagan said during his first inaugural address when he said, government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. You know, when you have states like Oklahoma and California stepping forward and arresting people because, well, they infuse their liquor that they used in their mixed drinks with flavors. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's a really good use of police force there, my friends. Number seven, not only is this little event happening, but anyone who speaks out about it in Idaho is being pursued by the BO administration to shut them up. Yes, I'm talking about that incident that Snopes says didn't happen, where several Islamic boys gang-raped a little girl. And if you're in Idaho and you speak out against this, well, you are facing criminal prosecution. All this that I was saying, I, I was just talking about government terror, wasn't I? Huh. Number six. Well, there are some people out there who can still think. Quick, get bodyguards around this guy before some ISIS a-hole cuts his head off. I have a video link here of a Dutch politician saying that the Netherlands must be de-Islamicized and all mosques must be closed. Hmm. Number five, there is a proposal which would grant the FBI warrantless access to the Internet records, including web search history, browser history, and email metadata. This is new, my friends. This is not something that I've warned you about in the past, okay? And it will do this on every American. And this assault on our basic constitutional rights was proposed in the aftermath of the Orlando shooting. And you will never guess... Who's spearheading it? You're never going to guess, my friends, unless you already know about the story from some other source. I'm going to tell you, though, are you ready? It's none other than the Canadian senator from Texas. Yep, good old lion Ted Cruz. He's spearheading to dismantle the fourth article of the Bill of Rights. Right. What was that I was just saying about a system of government that seeks to rule by intimidation? I, I, I seem to remember saying something about that. Hmm. Hmm. Number four. You know, if they keep going at the pace they're going, in less than five years, speaking of the fourth article of the Bill of Rights, it'll only be viewed as a suggestion. Now, why do I say it? And who's the they? The they is the Supreme Court. They have now ruled that drunk driving breathalyzers and invasive um, blood and urine tests, well, that's okay. Implied consent and all that good sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I said, they keep going on this route. The Fourth Amendment will just be a suggestion. That's all. Number three, I just don't have words. I just don't have words. You've got to read this for yourself. Black Lives Matters 
president, people, people running Black Lives Matters, lists white supremacy, patriarchy, and capitalism among the reasons for the Orlando attack. Like I said, I just don't have words. Um, well, yes, the breathalyzer doesn't need a warrant, but blood does. But if you refuse the breathalyzer, then they can force the blood test on you without a warrant. That's what, that's what the, our, the, the ruling comes down to. I'm being, I'm being reminded that I didn't quite present that correctly, and I apologize. Number two. Yep. Rather than spending time fighting actual crime, they are fighting those who are not paying the extortion of government. Austin goes undercover in sting operation, targeting underground ride sharing. <gasps> oh, my goodness. People are ride sharing in Austin. It has to be a big sting operation. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh, it's, it's horrifying. It's, a, oh, it's such a good thing that we have Austin, Johnny on the spot right there to protect us from people sharing rides with each other. Oh, the, 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 the humanity. Oh, what can I say? And finally, number one, notice how this reporter then claims that it's not because he failed, but because he's a reporter. This is really stupidity writ large. A columnist fails a gun check and then blames the store owners for not being able to buy a gun. Yeah, he failed a background check. He had domestic violence and other things in his, in his background that prevented him from buying a gun. And he says, no, 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 it's not about that I failed the background check. It's because I'm a reporter. That's why they wouldn't let me buy. <sighs> wow. Wow. Okay, critical thinking segment, my friends. <clears throat> Quote, Bernie Sanders said last week, Government has a moral responsibility to guarantee everyone a decent standard of living. No, it doesn't. Government is not responsible for your standard of living. The only one responsible for your standard of living is you. We're losing this country because the Republican Party has lost the courage to say that. End quote. Joe Walsh. Now, I only slightly disagree with Mr. Walsh here. I do remember reading history, and 50 or more years ago, there were a lot of decent thinking and compassionate Democrats that would have kicked Bernie Sanders behind out of their party in a real hurry. So that's why I say I only slightly disagree with Mr. Walsh. When in his comments here, but otherwise, pretty good, pretty good, pretty good critical thinking. Okay, when we come back from the upcoming break, that's coming up any second now, we're going to have the Roy School of Guerrilla Lawfare, and you know, those of you who are long-term listeners to this show, you know how much your host loves lists, and you also know how much your host loves to show you 
that it's not conspiracy theories, but conspiracy facts. Imagine my joy when I found a list of 53 admitted false flags attacks. So I not only get a list, wow, but it's a list of conspiracy, quote, theories, end quote, that have been proven to be facts. You're listening to the Constitutional Crusaders show on the American Voice Radio Network. Don't you go anywhere. We will be right back. their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. I would like to tell you about the only truly natural dog and cat food I have found anywhere. Most all companies add a synthetic vitamin mineral pack to their dry or kibble food. Nature's logic is different. With all natural ingredients and nothing man-made added, their owner, Scott Freeman, worked for another pet food company but decided he wanted to do things right. So he started Nature's Logic. You can check them out at natureslogic.com. You will find online and local stores where you can find their products. I spent a lot of time trying to find an all-natural pet food, and Nature's Logic was the only one out there. Give your pets the best and check out naturelogic.com. Your pets will be glad you did. They also have many other natural pet products to try. that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your 
Organic Sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Constitutional Crusader Show on the American Voice Radio Network. I am your host, Amroy Ben Shadler, constitutional counselor, and still all around pain in the rear end to bureaucrats and petty thugs all over. This is the portion of the show we call the Roy's School of Guerrilla Law Fair. That's L A W for Learn and Win Through a Better Education. And as I said before the break here, it's a double joy, joy, happy, happy, joy, joy for your host because not only do I get a list to present to you, but it's a list of one of my favorite things in the world, exposing conspiracy fact, my friends. 53. I'm going to see how many we can get through here. Let's see how many we can get through. 53 admitted false flags attack. This is not theory. This is admitted fact my friends, there are many documented, many documented false flags attacks where a government carries out a terror attack and then falsely blames its enemy for political purposes. Excuse me. In the following 53 incidences, officials in the government which carried out the attack or seriously proposed an attack, admits to it either orally in writing. So here we go. Let's get to it, right? Number one, Japanese troops set off a small explosion on a train track in 1931 and falsely blamed it on China in order to justify an invasion of Manchuria. This is known as the Mukden Incident or the Manchurian Incident. The Tokyo International Military Tribunal found, quote, several of the participators in the plan, including Hashimoto, a high-ranking Japanese army officer, have on various occasions admitted their part in the plot and have stated that the object of the incident was to afford an excuse for the occupation of Manchuria by the Kanwang army. Number two, a major with the Nazi SS admitted at the Nuremberg trials that under orders from the chief of the Gestapo, he and some other Nazi operatives faked attacks on their own people and resources, which they blamed on the Poles to justify the invasion of Poland. Number three, Nazi General Franz Halder also testified at the Nuremberg trials that Nazi leader Hermann Göring admitted to setting fire to the German parliament building in 1933 and then falsely blamed the communists for the arson. Number four, Soviet leader Nikita Khrushchev admitted in writing that the Soviet Union's Red Army shelled the Russian village of Manila in 1939 while blaming the attack on Finland as a basis for launching the Winter War against Finland. Russian President Boris Yeltsin agreed that Russia had been the aggressor in the Winter War. Number five, Russian Parliament, current Russian President Putin, and former Soviet leader Gorbachev all admit 
that Soviet leaders Joseph Stalin ordered his secret police to execute 22,000 Polish army officers and civilians in 1940 and falsely blamed it on the Nazis. Number six. The British government admits that between 1946 and 1948, it bombed five ships carrying Jews fleeing, attempting to flee the Holocaust to seek safety in Palestine and set up a fake group called the Defenders of Arab Palestine and then had the pseudo group falsely claim responsibility for the bombings. Number seven. Israel admits that in 1954, an Israeli terrorist cell operating in Egypt planted bombs in several buildings, including U.S. diplomatic facilities, then left behind evidence, quote-unquote, implicating the Arabs as the culprits, and one of the bombs detonated prematurely, allowing the Egyptians to identify the bombers, and several of the Israelis later confessed. Number eight. The CIA admits that it hired Iranians in the 1950s to pose as communists and stage bombings in Iran in order to turn the country against its democratically elected prime minister. Number nine. The Turkish prime minister admitted that the Turkish government carried out the 1955 bombing on a Turkish consulate in Greece, also damaging the nearby birthplace of the founder of modern Turkey, and blamed it on Greece for the purpose of inciting and justifying anti-Greek violence. Number 10. The British Prime Minister admitted in his, to his defense attorney that he and American President Dwight Eisenhower approved of a plan in 1957 to carry out attacks in Syria and blame it on the Syrian government as a way to effect regime change. 11 through 21, former Italian Prime Minister and Italian judge and the former head of the Italian counterintelligence admit that NATO, with the help of the Pentagon and CIA, carried out terror bombings in Italy and other European countries in the 50s and blamed the communists in order to rally people's support for their governments in Europe in their fight against communism. As one participant in this formerly secret program stated, quote, you had to attack civilians civilians, people, women, children, innocent people, unknown people, far removed from any political game. The reason was quite simple. They were supposed to force these people, the Italian public, to turn to the state to ask for greater security, end quote. Again, my friends, what was that definition of terrorism? A system of government that seeks to rule by intimidation? Hmm. And... Anyway, my friends, there is link after link after link. In fact, everything, one of these things that I've talked about before and everything that I'm going to talk about in the future, there are links to this. So when I said this was 11 through 21, yes, it is. A whole bunch of them, all uh, in this same, these same people, these same actors, and what they did, you know, attacks in Portugal, attacks in Turkey, attacks in Italy, attacks in Italy, attacks in Turkey. Attacks in Madrid, etc. I'm just, I'm just going, just picking out the cities and such, and and things, and there they are. Number 22, in 1960, American Senator George Smathers suggested that the U.S. launch quote a false attack made on Guantanamo Bay, which would give us the excuse of actually fomenting a fight, which would then give us the excuse to go in and overthrow Castro. End quote. Number 23. 
Official State Department documents show that in 1961, the head of the Joint Chiefs and other high-level officials discussed blowing up a consulate in the Dominican Republic in order to justify an invasion of that country. The plans were not carried out, but they were all discussed as serious proposals. Number 24, as admitted by the U.S. government, recently declassified documents show that in 1962, the American Joint Chiefs of Staff signed off on a plan to blow up American airplanes using an elaborate plan involving the switching off of airplanes and also to commit terrorist acts on American soil and then to blame it on the Cubans in order to justify an invasion of Cuba. See this ABC News report, the official documents, links to those, and watch this interview with the former Washington investigative producer for ABC's World News Tonight with Peter Jennings. There, there, that, that's number 24. Number 25. In 1963, the U.S. Department of Defense wrote a paper promoting attacks on nations within the Organization of American States, such as Trinidad, Tobago, or Jamaica, and then falsely blaming them on Cuba. Number 26, the U.S. Department of Defense even suggested covertly paying a person in the Castro government to attack the United States, quote, the only area remaining for consideration would then be to bribe one of Castro's subordinate commanders to initiate an attack on Guantanamo, end quote. Number 27, the NSA admits that it lied about what really happened in the Gulf of Tonkin incident in 1964, manipulating data to make it look like North Vietnamese boats fired on the U.S. ship so as to justify a false justification for the Vietnam War. Number 28, U.S. Congressional Committee admitted that as part of its count Counter Intel Pro, I can never say this word here, Cointel Pro campaign, the FBI had used many provocateurs in the 1950s through the 1970s to carry out violent acts and falsely blame them on political activists. Number 29, a top Turkish general admitted that Turkish forces burned down a mosque in, on Cyprus in the 70s and blamed it on their enemy. He explained, quote, in special war, certain acts of sabotage are staged and blamed on the enemy to increase public resistance. We did this on Cyprus. We even burnt down a mosque, end quote. In response to the surprised correspondence incredulous look, the general said, quote, I'm giving an example, end quote. And his, notice his nonchalantness there, my friends. I'm just giving you an example. Just telling you what happened. Why do you look so shocked? You know, again, a system of government seeks to rule by intimidation. Terrorism, my friends. Number 30, the German government admitted that in 1978, the German Secret Service detonated a bomb on the outer wall of a prison and planted escape tools on a prisoner, a member of the Red Army faction, which the Secret Service wished to frame the bombing on. Number 31, a massage, Mossad agent admits that in 1984, Mossad planted a radio transmitter on Gaddafi's compound in Tripoli, Libya, which broadcast fake terrorist transmissions recorded by Mossad in order to frame Gaddafi as a terrorist supporter. Ronald Reagan bombed Libya immediately thereafter. Number 32. 
the South African Truth and Reconciliation Council found that in 1989, the Civil Cooperation Bureau, a covert branch of the South African Defense Force, approached an explosive expert and asked him, quote, to participate in an operation aimed at discrediting the ANC, which is the African National Congress, by bombing the police vehicle of the investigating officer into the murder incident, end quote, and thus framing the ANC for the bombing. Number 33. An Algerian diplomat and several officers in the Algerian army admitted that in the 1990s, the Algerian army frequently massacred Algerian civilians and then blamed Islamic militants for the killings. Uh, the French court uh, dismisses the Al Algerian defamation lawsuit against the author who, who, who published the reports here, my friends. Number 34. The United States Army 1994 publication, Special Forces, Foreign International Defense Tactics, Techniques, and Procedures for Special Forces. It, my friends, only the Army can come up with a name that long for something. i got to read that again. The name of the publication, Special Forces, Foreign International Defense Tactics, Techniques, and Procedures for Special Forces. Anyway. Updated in 2004, recommends employing terrorists and using false flag operations to destabilize leftist regimes in Latin America. False flag terrorist attacks were carried out in Latin America and other regions as part of CIA's dirty wars. Number 35. <clears throat> An Indonesian fact-finding team investigated violent riots which occurred in 1998 and determined that, quote, elements of the military had been involved in the riots, some of which were deliberately provoked, end quote. Number 36, senior Russian uh, military and intelligence officers admitted that the KGB blew up Russian apartment buildings in 1999 and falsely blamed it on Chechens in order to justify an invasion of Chechnya. Number 37, according to the Washington Post, Indonesian police admitted that the Indonesian military killed American teachers in Papua in 2002 and blamed the murders on a Papua separatist group in order to get that group listed as a terrorist organization. Number 38, the well-respected former Indonesian president also admitted that the government probably had a role in the Bali bombings. Number 39, as reported by the BBC, the New York Times, the Associated Press, Macedonian officials admitted that the government murdered seven innocent immigrants in cold blood and pretended that they were al-Qaeda soldiers attempting to assassinate Macedonian police in order to join, quote, the war on terror, end quote. Number 40, senior police officials in Genoa, Italy, admitted that in July 2001, at the G8 summit in Genoa, planted two Molotov cocktails and faked the stabbing of a police officer in order to justify a violent crackdown against protesters. Number 41, the U.S. falsely blamed Iraq for playing a role in the 9-11 attacks, as shown by a memo from a defense secretary as one of the main justifications for launching the Iraq war, even after the 9-11 commission admitted that there was no connection, Dick Cheney said that the evidence is, quote, overwhelming, end quote, that al-Qaeda had a relationship with Saddam Hussein's regime, that Cheney, quote, probably, end quote, had information unavailable to the commission, and that the media was, quote, not doing their homework, end quote, in 
reporting such ties. Top U.S. government officials now admit that the Iraq war was really launched for oil, not 9-11 or weapons of mass destruction. And despite previous lone wolf, quote-unquote, claims, many U.S. government officials now say that 9-11 was a state-sponsored terror, but Iraq was not the state which backed the hijackers. And many U.S. officials have alleged that 9-11 was a false flag operation by rogue elements of the U.S. government. Number 42. Although the FBI now admits that the 2001 anthrax attacks were carried out by one or more U.S. government scientists, a senior FBI official says that the FBI was actually told to blame the anthrax attacks on al-Qaeda by White House officials. Remember what the anthrax letters looked like. And government officials also confirmed that the White House tried to link the anthrax to Iraq as a justification for regime change in the country. Number 43, former Department of Defense... Former Department of Justice lawyer John Yu suggested in 2005 that the U.S. should go on the offensive against al-Qaeda, having, quote, our intelligence agency create a false terrorist organization. It could have its own websites, recruitment centers, training camps, and fundraising operations. It could launch fake terrorist operations and claim credit for real terrorist strikes, helping to sow confusion within al-Qaeda's ranks, causing operatives to doubt others' identities and to question the validity of communications, end quote. Number 44, UPI reported in 2005, quote, U.S. intelligence officers are reporting that some of the insurgents in Iraq are using recent model Beretta 92 pistols, but the pistols seem to have had their serial numbers erased. The numbers do not appear to have been physically removed. The pistols seem to have come off of, uh, off of a production line without any serial numbers. Analysts suggest the lack of serial numbers indicates that the weapons were intended for intelligence operations or terrorist cells within substantial government backing. Analysts speculate that these guns are probably from either Mossad or the CIA. Analysts speculate that the agent provocateurs may be using the untraceable weapons, even as U.S. authorities use insurgent attacks against civilians as evidence of the illegitimacy of the resistance, end quote. Number 45. Undercover Israeli soldiers admitted in 2005 to throwing stones at other Israeli soldiers so they can blame it on the Palestinians as an excuse to crack down on peaceful protests by the Palestinians. Number 46, Quebec police admitted that in 2007, thugs carrying rocks to a peaceful protest were actually undercover Quebec police officers. To Number 47, at the G20 protests in London in 2009, a British member of parliament saw plainclothes officers, police officers, attempting to incite the crowd to violence. Number 48, Egyptian politicians admitted that the government employees looted priceless museum artifacts in 2011 to try to discredit the protesters. Number 49, a Colombian army colonel has admitted that his unit murdered 57 civilians, then dressed them in uniforms and claimed that they were rebels killed in combat. Number 50, the highly respected writer for the Telegraph, Ambrose Evans Pritchard, says the head of Saudi intelligence, Prince Badar, recently admitted that the Saudi government controls, quote unquote, Chechen terrorists. 51. High-level American sources admitted that the Turkish government, a fellow NATO country, carried out the chemical weapons attacks blamed on the Syrian government, and high-ranking Turkish governments admitted on tape 
to plans to carry out attacks and blame it on the Syrian government. Number 52, former Ukrainian security chief admits that the sniper attacks which started the Ukrainian coup were carried out in order to frame others. And finally, number 53, Britain's spy agency has admitted that it carries out digital false flag attacks on its targets, framing people by writing offensive or unlawful material and blaming it on the target. My friends, this is so common, there's a name for it. The use of the bully's trick is so common that it's been given a name hundreds of years ago. False flag terrorism. It's defined as a government attacking its own people, then blaming others in order to justify going to war against the people it blames, or as Wikipedia defines it, quote, false flag operations are covert operations conducted by governments, corporations, or other organizations which are designed to appear as if they are being carried out by other entities. The name is derived from the military concept of flying False colors, that is, flying the flag of a country other than one's own. False flag operations are not limited to war and counterinsurgency operations and have been used in times of peace. For example, during Italy's strategy of tension, end quote. My friends, the term comes from the old days of wooden ships. When one ship would hang the flag of its enemy before attacking another ship, and because the enemy's flag instead of the flag of the real country of the attacking ship was hung, it was called that false flag attempt. And indeed, this concept is so well accepted that rules of engagement for naval, air, and land warfare all prohibit false flags attacks. Well, leaders throughout history have acknowledged the danger of false flags attacks. Let's listen to some of them, my friends. Friedrich Nietzsche said, a history of false flag attacks used to manipulate the minds of the people. In individuals, insanity is rare, but in groups, parties, nations, and epochs, it is the rule. Adolf Hitler said, Terrorism is the best political weapon, for nothing drives people harder than a fear of sudden death, end quote. Hermann Goering said, why, of course the people don't want war. But after all, it is the leaders of the country who determine the policy, and it's always a simple matter to drag the people along, whether it's a democracy, or a fascist dictatorship, or a parliament, or a communist dictatorship. Voice or no voice, the people can always be brought to the bidding of the leaders. That is easy. All you have to do is tell them they are being attacked and denounce the pacifists for lack of patriotism and exposing the country to danger. It works the same in any country, end quote. And then the grandpa of them all, Joseph Stalin, quote, the easiest way to gain control of a population is to carry out acts of terror. The public will clamor for such laws as if their personal security is threatened. End quote. 
there you go, my friends. Fifty-three admitted false flags attacks, acts of terror done to innocent people in the name of, well, whatever the name was at the time. Uh, there's many names given, but basically the, the nut of it is power. Power and control. That's what it's all about. Government is not your friend. George Washington said it best. Government is like fire. It's uncontrollable and needs to be reined in very, very well. It's not an exact quote, but that's what he said. That's what he was talking about, my friends. So, think about that. Especially in light of what next Monday is going to be. July 4th. And I will remind you, my friends, that the Founding Fathers did not win their little tete-a-tete with the British by negotiating with them. They didn't win by begging them. They didn't win by pleading with them. They didn't do these things. You know how they won? They shot the <clears throat> the the uh, idiots. There we go. Uh, I was trying to find a good word, but uh, you get the idea. They shot them. They shot them, and they kept shooting them until they left. That's government, my friends. They shot the government that was oppressing them. It's happened even in this country, my friends. There's been times when there have been people who have stood up and revolted against government oppression. Yeah, that's true. They begged for over 10 years, and after 10 years uh, of, of begging, they got out the muskets and they shot them. So there's something for you to think about, my friends, this July 4th. Drag out that copy of the Declaration of Independence. Read it out loud. Force that liberal cousin, whoever he or she is, to sit down and shut up and listen. And then talk about those men who signed it and what happened to them. The information on what happened to them is very easy to find. I'm not going to hold your hand and tell you where. You can find it yourself. It's very easy to find. It was brutal what the British did to them. Well, that wraps up this edition of the Constitutional Crusader Show. Until two weeks from now, unless the creek rises or they come and take me away again, my fellow Americans, keep your powder dry. 